kids to bed, dads are home. We are the Dad World Order Podcast, representing the DWO. I am your do- <laughs> your main man, Mr. Magnificent, Mike Martin. With me as always, my tag team partner, Big Rig, Eric Maffey. What's mm-hmm. going on? Um, actually, we gotta switch ourselves, start Mike. Over. What are you doing? Yeah, I know. Start over. I'm, I'm not Mr. Magnificent. <laughs> you botched that to crap, man. Um, <clears throat> well, as mis- as Mr. Magnificent Mike Martin said, we are the Dad World Order Podcast, and joining us today, uh, BJ Whitmer, who uh, former ROH star, um, for a very long time, and uh, current producer for all elite wrestling uh so bj i'm gonna start off with the first question probably the most important how the heck are you i'm good i'm good can't complain yeah how about you guys everybody doing good all right right. awesome mighty fine awesome (laughs) (laughs) so Uh, i guess bj i guess my first question really besides the after that one would be how in the heck did you get from the guy that I knew in high school, 90, 1996, Campbell County High School, to, I mean, I had heard rumblings of you becoming a wrestler, and the next thing I know, I, I see uh, this indie show up in Dayton, and you're on this card, and uh, I literally know nobody else on this card but you, and I'm like, let's go. We go up there. I'm with, uh, I don't even know who the hell I was with at this point. I got two shows in Dayton. And uh, they absolutely just blew my mind. I had never had any experience with that kind of wrestling. Um, you know, my experience, I've loved wrestling since I was a kid, eating cereal on Saturday mornings, watching it. You know, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> um, but that was just a whole different brand. And I mean, at the time, I mean, I was in my 20s. So, you know, it was right on par with stuff I would like. You know, it was Samoa Joe and CM Punk. And, you know, I got to... It, you you were you had a little more hair back then but uh <laughs> yeah a lot more jacked hair. up version of this guy that used to drive a red mustang around alexandria so yeah yeah um campbell county high school class of 96 i believe you were 98 right yes. uh, i graduated with your cousin matt used to run around with uh, matt all the time um like you as a kid growing up wrestling was on saturday mornings so you get up kid get a bowl of cereal sit right down in front of the tv and um, I can remember like Crockett, the Crockett stuff, the Mid-Atlantic stuff was on like channel. I think it was the CBS channel. Um, I think WWF at the time, like Superstars of Challenge was on like the NBC affiliate. Um, I can remember on channel 64, the low powered station getting like world class and some UWF, Bill Watts stuff. So um, I just loved wrestling as a kid. Um, watch it every Saturday morning. Couldn't get enough of it. Um, had my parents order some VHS tapes with some Crockett like Starcades and Great American Bashes, and I would play those things until they were damn near wore out. Um, and every once in a while, uh, my dad would take me to like a house show at Cincinnati Gardens to watch like the Crockett oh, yeah. cards. I went to a couple of them in like '87, '88. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the WWF product at the time, um, but it was wrestling. So I would watch it. And if they were coming to uh, what's now Heritage Bank Center, um, I think it was Riverfront Coliseum at the time, I would go and have my dad take me just to see wrestling. Like, and I went to a couple of live events or house shows um, there. But yeah, I just like fell in love with it as a kid. I kind of got away from it in the early 90s when I was in high school just because um, 
it got a little silly to me. Um, some of the gimmicks, little cartoony. And as a teenager, that was just too, I don't, I guess with all the goofy gimmicks and stuff, a little too like targeted towards younger kids. So I kind of got away from it. And then I guess it was probably around my senior year. Um, and right after my senior year is when like the NWO and stuff like that. And I was like, Whoa, now this is kind of cool. Like, and at the time I wasn't into like reading like dirt sheets, like the torch or the observer or anything like that. So I'm seeing Razor Ramon show up on Monday Nitro and I'm like, and he's acting like he's acting like Razor and like, I'm like, what is going on here? And like kind of blew my mind and kind of got sucked back in and then seeing the stuff that Brian Pillman, was doing at the time and i was kind of mm-hmm. always a fan of brian's because he's a cincinnati guy i'm a northern kentucky cincinnati guy right. yeah i was always drawn to him because of that and i'm like damn if this guy from cincinnati can do this then why can't i do it mm-hmm. um but but if you ask mike when i graduated high school or when i was in high school i was a tall skinny kid um mm-hmm. i graduated high school maybe 160 pounds you know at right. six foot two 160 pounds that's pretty slim yeah. um so uh, i guess it would have been probably after my senior year got into going to the gym lifting weights um and researching as much as i could whether it be through magazines or like online very early on internet stuff um how to like gain weight and work out and like the bodybuilding culture and stuff like that so I started doing that and trying to put on size because I knew there wasn't really a place if I wanted to be in the wrestling business for a guy 6'2", 160 pounds. There just wasn't. Maybe he's a referee. Um, right. But even not then, in, I mean. Not in that you know, world anyway. Or that, right. That Especially period. at that time period. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I got myself up over the next couple of years to, you know, that 200 pound range. Where I thought, well, you know, I'm a little bit bigger now, a little more solid. Um, I'll try this. So. In late 98, I guess it was, I started like researching wrestling schools. Um, and I found Les Thatcher's main event pro wrestling camp in Cincinnati. And I had called like at the time, whatever the ECW, like Hardcore Dojo, um, Larry Sharp's Monster Factory. I called a bunch of them because at the time you could find a whole list of wrestling schools on the internet. And what I thought Roger Ruffin's place. Um, go th- I go there at did all? call there. Um, after I was in the business, I went over there and worked out a few times. Um, okay. and this would have been like probably 2012, 13, 14, somewhere along the lines in there. Huh. But, uh, we frequent those kinda, shows now. That's why I ask. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Roger's probably been, he's probably one of the long, he is definitely the longest the running longest. Indie yep. in Cincinnati. By far, it's not even close. Um, and maybe even one of the longer running ones at this point in the United States. Cause he's been running since mid nineties. Yeah. I think mid to late nineties. So over, you know, 25 years at this point, I guess. Um, so I went up, this would have been probably October, let me think October ish of 98, uh, went up and watched, um, a training session there at Les's, And I was like, yep, this is what I'm going to do. Even if I don't go any further than doing shows at like the Hamilton national guard armory or, there was a Eagles hall in Blanchester that Les would run shows at. I was like, even if I don't get any further than that, I want to do this. I got, I got to try this. So I started right after, cause I had just had a hernia repair, hernia surgery in like September, October, 98. So after the first of the year in 99 is when I started training. Um, and I, 
kind of had a knack and a talent for it. Um, and it came pretty naturally for me, like being in the ring and taking bumps. Mm. And I caught on really, really fast. And I started refing matches just to get experience of being in the ring, like two or three months in. And I did that up until the end of 99. Um, and then I had my first match, which was a battle Royal in like December of 99. And then my first official match was January, January, like 22nd. It was right before my birthday um, of 2000. And then I just kind of hit the ground running, started doing as many indies as I could, um, along with working the shows for less. Less would have, you know, two or three shows a month. And I just tried to fill up weekends and network um, early on and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I got my start. Okay. Yeah, you can tell, you know, like seeing, I said, we do Frank with the NWF shows and having to self-promote, you know, I see is, is a ton of it. And this day and age is probably a little easier with social media. And back then you didn't really have that. So you had to, you know, literally put in the work and your only way to be seen was to be do shows. Yeah. Um, and I got very lucky. Um, shark boy who's from like the dayton area there and who had signed with like wcw in like 99 or somewhere around there um after he had gotten released early on they were going to do some kind of cruiserweight show so they signed a bunch of cruiserweights in like 99 um i guess it was that ended up falling through so they ended up releasing all those guys shark boy was one of those so he came back to the cincinnati area and was doing indies well he had worked previously for ian rotten's iwa mid-south in the louisville area um Ian was running a show. This would have been May of 2000. So I've been wrestling five, six months at this point. Uh, Shark Boy calls me. He's like, hey, I need an opponent for an Ian Rotten show. Um, are you interested? You want to go down? I'm like, heck yeah, I want to wrestle as much as I can anywhere I can. Mm -hmm. And at the time, there was a little bit of beef between or a little bit of heat between Ian and uh, Les. So there wasn't, Les wasn't letting a whole lot of guys go down there. He was letting um, Shark Boy. Um, a guy by the name of Chip Fairway, uh, Brett Keen was his name, who uh, did like a golfer gimmick and maybe one other. And I kind of slid in under the floodgates um, and was allowed to go down there and had a great match with Shark. And uh, Ian was like, look, I can't pay you a whole lot, but I can use you. He was running in this old, it was like an old blue, like diesel garage like it was like a pole barn essentially. And, but he was running every Wednesday and every Saturday. And he's like, look, I'll use you every Wednesday. If you can make it down here Wednesday evening and I can use you whatever Saturdays you don't have shows for less or any other shows. So very early on, I started working, you know, at least twice a week, sometimes three times a week. So I was able to get a lot of reps in and, uh, got pretty good, pretty quick on that. And, um, Went from there, I, I branched out and I started doing some shows for Harley Race in like the Central States area, like Missouri, um, Kansas, Iowa. And here I am, I'm driving from Cincinnati, you know, driving, I guess, just to get to St. Louis is five and a half hours. Right, and, yeah. And and um, at the time, Harley's like school and stuff was located in the middle of the state down by Lake of the Ozarks in Eldon. So that's another three and a half. So I would drive to there. Um anywhere you know anytime he could use me but he would always do you know like a whole weekend shots like a friday saturday sunday or at least a friday saturday right. and he would put it he would put us up and stuff like that so i made that connection with harley race very early on i got to work with him and he actually opened the door for me and got me booked with uh, pro wrestling noah 
I guess I was 18 months in at the time and got to go to Japan for like two and a half. Yeah. So that's almost unheard of. Those guys go whole careers and never catch that break. And I literally caught one right. 18 months in. So well, that's like, yeah, I mean, that lucky. seems like the thing now, especially with uh, a lot of the NDP guys I see now, like taking a tour of Japan is like the thing to do, you know? So like being, yeah, not necessarily you just being like, oh, I'm just going to go. You actually being, Hey, I'm going to send this guy over there. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it, it was like, um, they had contacted Harley cause, um, pro wrestling Noah was an, they split off from all Japan mm-hmm. pro wrestling mm-hmm. and, uh, Mitsuharu Misawa left all Japan because of his disagreement with uh, right. giant Baba's widow. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys all know all this. And he was looking and they had started running shows, I guess, like August of 2000. So this is June of 2001. And he was looking for some, uh, cruiserweight foreign talent to bring in at the time mm-hmm. i was maybe 210 so i fit in to that cruiserweight mold i was a little right, tall yeah. for cruiserweight but my body weight um i fit into that mold at that time and carly had invited he had his students there and then invited some people in and um masawa himself was there and a couple um people from the office so yeah i was like handpicked by masawa for that first tour and uh, wow, ended up doing wild, another man. one. Yeah, it's it's so crazy. Like, just it's kind of being in the right place at the right time, kind of thing. But I also was able to, you know, perform at a, at a pretty high level. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I got picked and then did another tour in 2001 at the end of like a three and a half week tour, November December something okay. like that. So so I did two tours before I even had two years in. And I mean, it sounds like business. you did quite a bit before you even started it in like ring of honor i mean like you were wrestling uh you know chris hero and, and cm punk and colt cabana and iwa before you even got to ring of honor so that's yeah um which is crazy like in that spring summer of 2000 iwa mid-south there was a, a group of us that came in i came in and i started in may the middle of may of 2000 chris hero did his first show like two weeks after me. Colt Cabana did his first show like three weeks after I was there. And then like that fourth week after I'd been there was Punk's first show. So there was like wow. within like a month he booked and we were all like in that less than two year in at that point. And mm-hmm. I had met Chris Hero before he had because he's a, a Dayton, Ohio guy. He would mm-hmm. come down and work out with us at Les Thatcher School. And this is before I had even had my first match. I'm like two or three months in when he first started coming down in 99. And he was already doing indie shows up around Dayton at that point, Dayton that's Mm -hmm. surrounding area, maybe Columbus and stuff like that. So uh, I had actually met him before that and, you know, had wrestled him several times in like matches just in the gym there in front of nobody else but the other students and stuff like that. But yeah, there was a pretty wild time if you think about it, like the people that started in that, spring summer of 2000 there for ian rotten working and at that time he wasn't allowed to run right inside that pole barn he was he had to we had it was a concrete slab out back at that pole barn where he would set up the ring on a concrete slab and then put the chairs oh in the God. gravel <laughs> around it it's crazy stuff man but we were like we were all like just hungry and we were having these really good matches you know for guys that were you know that green at the time they were pretty damn good matches well, uh, so it kind of, for me, like I'm, uh, on the, on the younger side here, I was born in 89, so I'm 33. Okay. Um, okay. so I, I didn't really know about any of 
Ring of Honor or anything like I mean, I in the past couple years, I've uh, tried to consume as much of that as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, I think yesterday I just watched a uh, Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher in IWA Mid-South. Yeah, at the morning, at the, at the ECW arena. Yeah, I was one I was of on the stiffest matches I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> the slow and, and but like, yeah. so here was my thing on it was the fact that so it was Necro Butcher and Samoa Joe yeah. with Dave Prezak, CM Punk, and Eddie Kingston on commentary. Yeah, and it's just, I'm just like my mind's blown because like nobody knows who these people are at this point, and yeah. these are some of the top names now, which makes me like. I want to watch every indie show possible right now because whoever these young guys are, like they're going to be there one day. It's just, it's wild. Yeah. And then like now with AEW being a thing, you have another major company. So that's another opportunity. That's a whole, Mm -hmm. whole company that has a set of jobs for talent that wasn't available when I was, you know, young, like I'm, you know, 16 months in or whatever it is. And WCW shuts down. So there's mm-hmm. ECW and yeah. WWF. And then a month later, ECW goes out of business. So there's one place to work. Um, and at the time, like I'm trying to think, this would have been late 2001, like October, maybe September. Um, Les Thatcher got a develop. He had the HWA got a developmental deal with WWF at the time. Okay. Um, so they sent a bunch of the WCW cruiserweights that they didn't have anything for on TV. They sent to less. So Jamie Noble, um, Shannon Moore, Kaz Hayashi, Jimmy Yang, um, Lash LaRue was part of that group. And then there was some other like uh, Mike Sanders, um, Mark Jendrak. Mark there was Jendrak, holy s- crap. several others. Um, Lance <laughs> Cade, because they had shut down um, Memphis Championship Wrestling at the time, which was, it was there was OVW and Memphis Championship Wrestling. They right. closed down Memphis. They sent half the Memphis crew to Danny Davis and Jim Cornette at OBW. They sent the other half of that Memphis crew to uh, Les Thatcher. So, like, um, Steve Bradley, Lance Cade, um, Charlie and Russ Haas was part of that group. They got sent up there. And then as um, that year kind of progressed into 2002, they started sending some guys that – Vince didn't have anything for on TV. They started to send to OVW and HWA. So I got to be around like D'Lo Brown, Hugh Morris, um, Sean Stasiak. I mean, yeah, yeah. (laughs) D'Lo was great, man. I got to wrestle him a few times. Uh, Raven, Tommy Dreamer. So there was a bunch of guys with TV experience got sent down to um, HWA. So I got to work with a ton of those guys. Um, And I'm, you know, two years in at this point, a little over two years in. So I'm, able to like just soak in like a sponge like all this knowledge from these guys and we were working because we would tape a tv show that only a wheel our tv only aired on like the 45 station fox 45 in dayton Mm -hmm. um but we would film it every week down at the davis arena the old davis arena in louisville we would film every sunday so we had every sunday and then we would do a school show there at uh, less is the newer building, which we could fit maybe 150 people in there. We would do a Tuesday night school show. Um, once a month on Wednesdays at the Montgomery County fairgrounds, we would like blow off our TV angles there. And then we would like usually have a Friday, Saturday show. So my second year, I guess, yeah, it would be starting my third year in the business. I'm working 
three to five times a week. Wow. Matches. Yeah. Just getting reps. And then the days that we like had off and sometimes we would even have training like a lighter training session, like on Tuesday, because we had the, excuse me, the, uh, the school show on Tuesday nights, um, Wednesdays, we would have a harder training session unless we had the Montgomery Fairgrounds show. Um, Thursday was a pretty hard training session. And, um, and then Friday, we usually didn't have a training session, but at first, like you kind of, if you weren't under contract, you had to be kind of invited to that, those training sessions. So it took a little bit, um, at the time, cause like, I wasn't under contract and they're kind of selective, but I started having these really good matches with like Shannon Moore and Jamie Noble and those guys. And they kind of went to bat for me like, Hey, this guy's pretty freaking good. <laughs> like nice. let's get him in these training sessions and stuff. And I ended up having a brief tag run with Jamie Noble um, on the yeah. HWA TV and That's stuff so like cool. that. Yeah. And, and I'm still like, I'm still pretty tight with Jamie to this day. Like I'll call him you know, and just shoot, shoot the shit with him or whatever. And kind of catch guys, up and stuff. You guys trade, uh, uh, producer secrets with each other <laughs> not too much i get like dean malenko is uh jamie's mentor and i've got to be um okay. pretty good friends with dean and get to pick uh, his brain at yeah. a o- or aw um arn is another dean. one who's who's like brain i pick sometimes and ask questions oh. but he's he's been talent for us he didn't want to do the producer gig anymore he'd done it for 20 years right. or whatever there at wwf or wwe so he just wanted to be talent at this point, but he's still, you know, a guy that can, you know, that is in the coach's room or the producer's room that I can, you know, ask questions to and stuff like yeah. that. And, you know, I, I have to like look around, like pinch myself every once in a while. I'm sure we'll get to this later on, but like the guys that I'm like sharing like a room with right backstage yeah. at AEW, it's like, whoa, this is like surreal to me. But, uh, so- that's what I was going to say. So I don't, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've always felt like Cincinnati, like obviously is, you know, a fairly large city, but like the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area to me has always felt very small town, like depending mm-hmm. on where you are. Mm-hmm. And especially in the wrestling business, like there was never really anybody that was from like Mox being from Cincinnati is one of the greatest things ever for us. Cause we have somebody yeah. that's a hometown yeah. boy that we can root for. So Literally like, Brian Pillman was it. Brian Pillman, right, yeah. for the longest time, was the only like major pro wrestling name that came out of Cincinnati. But mm-hmm. I'm saying, like for me, it's like, yeah, oh my god, this guy's from where I'm from. Like, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's in a room yeah. with all these people, you know. Like that's <laughs> yeah. it's it feels small. It's not technically small town, but it feels like it. So that's just that's cool to me. Yeah, it sure does. And like the first time, like I I produced um, a lot of Sting and Darby Allen stuff. And the oh. first time, the first time Sting looked over and was like, "Hey, BJ, what do you think about this?" And I'm like looking around, like pinching myself, like, "Oh shit, oh shit!" Sting's asking for my opinion on right. something, that, you know? It, like, I had to like catch myself and be like, "Um, yeah, yeah, this is what I think," kind of thing. Or whatever Meanwhile, you want. Kind of, kind of like fanboying out at the same time because I was a huge Sting fan as right, a kid, like yeah. Surfer Sting, like yeah, yeah, and watching definitely. him come up from like UWF, like catching that stuff, and then watching his like career grow um, with WCW and stuff. So that's, that's, that was really surreal. Again, I'll use that word a lot when he was like, yeah, yeah what do you think about this? And I'm like, Oh shit. Stinks asking my opinion on something. <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, I can only help imagine, it mark I, out a little bit. Yeah. I, I turned into such a fanboy and like, I, you know, these meet and greets and I'm like, I, you know, I'm the gift of gab. Usually, you know, I can talk to anybody. I stand, <laughs> right. you know, like don't stand, 
don't stand there too long. You'll end up talking to the wall. But, <laughs> yeah, I get I get around people I see on TV all the time, and I'm like, uh, we just met Marina Shafir the other night, and I was like, oh, you're Marina. Oh, hi. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hi, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Clicks in my brain that I just go dumb. <laughs> my, yeah. my name, Mike. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I was that way the last time y'all came to Cincinnati. Uh, I think we did the the FTR meet and greet, and okay. I love I love Dax and Cash. Like Michael, tell you, I my sign off for this is Top Dad's out. Like I love nice. FTR yeah. so much. So yeah, I get there, fantastic. I'm with my daughter, and I'm just like, I, I have so many things I want to say, but I don't know what to say. And, you know, so yeah. um, I'm glad that we're, we're, you know, there are people that are literally involved in the business that are still fans. So that's, oh, yeah, like, that's really cool. Like the guys that, and the guys and girls that usually, that usually end up getting in the business are the ones that are the biggest fans. Right. You know, honestly. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, and then the segue from, Working there at HWA um, during that time is when Ring of Honor started, like February of 2002. Um, and in about March of 2002, Spanky, Brian Kendrick, had, he was part of that Memphis crew, but they fired a few guys, let go a few guys from that Memphis crew, mm -hmm. Memphis Championship Wrestling crew, and he was one of them. Well, he drove from wherever he was living at the time to Cincinnati and was sleeping because he had trained with Lance Cade. Mm-hmm. At Shawn Michaels' school, so he's sleeping on Lance's couch and doing shows for less, and then getting flown from there to do like I think there was monthly Ring of Honor shows at that point. And he had had a tape; he had brought in a tape um, to training one day of the first ROH show, and I sat down and watched it with him after training, and I was like, "That's where I need to be. That's where I want to be. Like, how do I get?" there and i you know talked to spanky and was like yeah i can pass your name along and there was one of the montgomery county fairgrounds show um me and spanky opened the show and had like a 13 15 minute like just banger of a match and we get to the back and spanky's like that match is going to gabe as soon as i can get it to him he's like you need to be he's like you're right down gabe's alley what he's looking for right um you know, he's, he's like, I don't know how quick it will happen, but he's like, I'll make sure that you at least get a tryout with him. He's like, and I think he's going to love you. So um, continued uh, that, I think, in August of 2002, uh, WWE, WWF at the time pulls the deal from Les. They cut that and open up. They might have just centered everything into, I don't think they opened up Deep South for another year or so after that um but i kept doing indies you know around all over chicago dude i've made that drive since San chicago probably more times than i've driven anywhere for <laughs> indie shows uh right. over the years um and january of 2003 um got the call roh was doing a show in pittsburgh and gabe's like and he there was a guy from Cincinnati from Les's school, uh, also named Matt Stryker, not the Matt Stryker that was at WWE, but a different Matt Stryker right. had a unibrow. So we would always call him unibrow Stryker. Um, <laughs> it was from like the Milford area of Cincinnati. And uh, we would uh, went up there and did that. And we both pretty much got jobs that night with uh, Gabe. Gabe's like, yeah, I want you guys to start working for us. And I was on pretty much every show minus like shows where I had to have like a quick surgery, like throughout the years there at ROH, I had like, they had to have bone chips cleared out of both elbows, which I was out for a couple of weeks. I might've missed one 
or maybe three weeks I was out. So I might've missed one weekend where the shows or something like that. And it was but pretty much from January 03 till mid 08. I was just damn near on every event for ROH. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually, that's the wild thing to me. So I, I actually have your, uh, uh, cage match history pulled up here. That's why mm-hmm. I'm looking over here so I can seem like I'm smart and I know all your matches, but actually, right. <laughs> um, I've been trying to that, thing, that thing's that thing's pretty accurate. It doesn't have every single one on there, but it has a lot on there. A lot of my stuff on there. Yeah. So like, well, I'm just like reading some of this stuff and like Paul London, you Colt Cabana and homicide in a four corner survival. Like that, that was my first match. And oh, I, what? Uh, that was my first match at ROH, I should say. It was my first match at ROH. And I got there kind of early because I wanted to be on time and stuff. And um, had kind of come up with an idea for a finish. So uh, Gabe's you know, talking to us. And I think originally the match was supposed to be me and Paul London at singles, which at the time would have been awesome. And me and Paul would have killed it because that's when Paul was really on his upward right. ascension and was going to be signed sometime in 03 it was just a matter of time before wwe picked him up because he was like one of the first guys like homegrown guys that really got over to roh so i was like yes but then i found out it was going to be um a four corner survival or whatever they called it at the time and uh kind of had an idea for a finish so i was like you know what i'm just gonna throw my cards on the table and see what he thinks i ran this finish by gabe and he's like you know what i like it use it tonight like okay and literally the finish came off awesome um we went like through what we call like a waterfall type deal where we all hitting big moves with yep. near falls and i end up i had dragon suplexed cabana which is the four miles and suplex and was in the bridge and as i'm there in the bridge paul comes off with that beautiful shooting star press and lands on me while i'm in that bridge for the finish <laughs> And, and like I was able to see him, so I, I popped out of the bridge so he wouldn't like break my neck. Essentially, right, so yeah. I, my head went. You know, I went flat for him, but the timing on it was awesome. And oh. I came through the curtain after the match, and Gabe's like, "I'm calling you tomorrow. We need to get to travel <laughs> for the next show. You're on every show from here on out." Hell and yeah! I was like, "Thank God! Like that's what I wanted because that's that was my whole goal going there that day for that tryout was to get a job." So. so- what like uh like everything i'm seeing here like it seems like you and like punk and uh kind of there's like a group of like four or five of you that like in iwa mid-south and roh all seem to just kind of keep having matches together was that just like a thing where you guys just like working together or you just had good chemistry or how, how did that work um i like from the first time i worked with like cabana and punk and hero and some of those guys like we were all just really good and really hungry and it just like came together. Like, mm. I don't think I had a bad match with like a guy like Chris here. I don't think I ever had a bad match with Colt Cabana. I didn't have a bad match with CM Punk. And at the time, cause we were all trying to prove ourselves, we would go out there and we would go hard, right? Like, yeah. Really hard. Um, which my body's paying the price for, for some of that. Say, and dude, working, I mean, working that style now, but dude, I was having a blast. I'm in my early twenties, you know, mid twenties and just doing what I wanted to do since I was a kid and um, kind of starting to blend, which a lot of people weren't doing at the time that Japanese, I don't know if you want to call it strong style, that all Japan style, the big, you know, near Kings yeah, Kings yeah. Roadish. Um, and just kind of trying to blend that with and kind of make it the 
American indie style, you know, kind yeah. of blend a little bit of old school with that old school hardcore, you know, Dolph Collar, cage matches, you know, to blow angles off and stuff like that. So, you know, we're just trying to make a name for ourselves. So we were young, hungry, and just willing to go hard. Yeah. Well, y'all, I mean, y'all I did think... pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about taking a punishment. I'm pretty sure one of the events I saw uh, in said Montgomery County Fairgrounds was you mm-hmm. versus us certain guy and some uh some barbed wire replacing the uh <laughs> the ring ropes i saw uh, that story like this was just the absolute bloodiest thing i've ever seen and um yeah that would have been uh are you kind of kind of like the <laughs> kind of like the blow off to the roh czw angle that ran yep. through like three quarters or a little over half of 2006 and it was kind of like it was actually actually after the cage of death match we did it was like the singles blow off because i was kind of like at the forefront of representing roh in that feud mm-hmm. and, and sort of thing but um yeah they asked me if i'd be willing to do it and i had always said i would do hardcore stuff if it made sense storyline wise right. like i wouldn't just do and I, I would never do light bulbs just because that glass scares me a little bit yeah. uh but i would do barbed wire and i'm yeah because i like to go back to me starting at IWA Mid-South in 2000, mm-hmm. I'm seeing these guys, and it was always later in the show after the wrestling had happened, and like the semi-main and the main, these guys just blasting each other, hitting each other over the head with these light bulb tubes and glasses flying everywhere, and that powder, which is poisonous, in yeah. those glasses and tubes is just flying everywhere, and I'm like, am I watching? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> um, but to go back, yeah, I always said I would do something like that if it made sense. And the money was there too. Like if I got paid well for it, I would do it. And I thought that was the proper time and place um, to do one. And uh, Necro, like you go back like to the Joe match and stuff like that. Necro had like a developed a cult following within yeah. the United States. Like he um, was he was Nick Gage back then, almost. Yes, yes, you know what he I mean? absolutely like was. Yep, for sure. Um, and like literally one of the most intelligent guys you'll ever meet. Doesn't right. look like it, but literally, I think he graduated high school at like 16 or 17. So, like, super, super smart and super smart about the business, too. But he just loved that hardcore, that Japanese uh, deathmatch style and mm-hmm. stuff. But he could actually get in there and wrestle. He amateur wrestled like in high school and stuff like that. Right, so, yeah. every once in a while, he would like pick a guy on like a double leg take down or a single or pick somebody's like, ankle. <laughs> every once in a while, he'd be like, what in the hell did he just do? Like, got a thing. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, well, that's what I, I loved liked... uh, him and the wrestler in in the Mickey Rourke movie. Like how <laughs> like eloquent he was, like mapping out the match. Like, so what do you what do you think about Staples? What do you think about that? And then they cut to it, and he's like stapling his yeah. forehead and all yeah, kinds of so stuff. So well spoken, so well spoken. Uh, Dylan's his name. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Dylan's so well spoken, um, which you wouldn't think just by looking by appearances and stuff like that. Yeah. But I always liked working him because he would go hard too. Um, Thing was, is like he was kind of like Stan Hansen, and the fact that he wore these really thick glasses, he wouldn't wrestle with the glasses on because he couldn't. You know, you can't yeah. wear glasses when you wrestle, and he wouldn't. He didn't wear contacts either. So with those punches, oh man, like either ninety <laughs> percent of the zero time, zero depth perception. <laughs> you just had to eat it. Bingo, bingo. So you knew the forearms and punches. It was like a lottery punch. Every once in a while, you oh. get lucky, and it wouldn't hardly touch you. But most of the time, you were on the losing end of it, man. Like, oh, uh, but it wasn't bad. He wasn't so much. He yes. wasn't. He wasn't like anybody. Wasn't hitting you hard enough to like hurt you. It would. 
rock you a little bit or whatever. Right, you, yeah. you know, it'd zap you a little bit, but it wasn't like he was full on trying to hurt you. Yeah, anything yeah. like that his depth perception like you said was just a hair off um, yeah, kind of thing. but i always had <laughs> i always had really good matches with uh necro had really good chemistry with him and that's yeah that literally that barbar match um is one of my favorite matches i had in my career and he'll he says the same thing about it so yeah, yeah it was it was pretty cool well that's that's gonna lead me uh to this do you have a favorite match and or feud oh, i mean I can't narrow it down to just one. I guess like when you start looking, if you want to research and dig into my career, the stuff with Jimmy Jacobs mm-hmm. is really special. It's kind of, I guess, in ROH what I'm kind of known for. My Jimmy Jacobs. Why do you hate uh, Jimmy Jacobs? I've seen you literally try to kill this man on like three or four different occasions. Uh, Something about this top uh, rope power bomb. Um, yeah, the, the one where we slipped um, was supposed to be, he was supposed to reverse that into a Rana. My foot uh, slipped off the one where he hits like the, the, the like goes down lucky, the ropes. Yeah. He got really lucky on that. Um, yeah, that was supposed to be, we would do this spot on Ian Rotten shows on shows in Evansville, Indiana and all these small towns and stuff. Um, no, first time I ever saw it was kid, kid cash, easy money, um, mm-hmm. ECW late ECW stuff where, uh, easy money would try to power bomb kid cash off the top, but kid cash would reverse it into a Rana. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had actually done it on a ROH show in Dayton. It was me and Dan Moff when we were tagging against, uh, Jimmy Jacobs and delirious. And it was literally the only thing that Dan and I gave those guys. That entire match was that <laughs> top rope Rana. And then I fed into, uh, Delirious's backsplash, and then they double covered me one, two, last second kick out. And that was literally the only thing we gave them. And they bit on that as a false finish, which was really cool. But we had done the that one so many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was literally it. And they, then we got them to bite that they might actually beat us on that. But we had done that a several, at least a dozen times, that spot. But the spot on the biggest stage, and this was 2006, it was going into WrestleMania weekend. We did Thursday in Detroit and then had Friday, Saturday in Chicago. Mm hmm. And literally on the biggest stage in front of like six or seven hundred people there on a Thursday night at the I think it was the Michigan State Fairgrounds that building. Um, yeah, I slipped and I hit. When I hit, I knew I had jacked my ankle up, but I was more worried about him, right? Because yeah. like he doesn't know like when he's when I pull him up like that, he just knows he's gonna whip his body backwards for the Rana, so he doesn't know like where he's at in time and space right that makes sense he doesn't know if you're slipping or not no so all i could think is i slipped was to like push his hips like towards the ring so he would hit something to break his fall before he started to tuck all the way backwards which is kind of what happened and um thank god like his shoulders hit and not just his head hit the apron hit Uh, the like hit grace like grazed the ring rope which kind of threw him down a little bit where his shoulders hit I watched back like three times, like God, he almost died there. Yeah, and um, that I is my the ankle. hardest part of the ring. Yes, they JR will and, tell you. Yeah, and uh, we'll go when we fast forward here a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it was a it was a it was an apron bump that where I broke my neck on in right, 2013. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the apron is very unforgiving. Um, but yeah, that was like the biggest stage we'd ever tried that on. Ended up slipping, blowing the spot. People think to this day that we did that deliberately. And I'm like, no, we didn't do that deliberately. Why would I jump backwards 
off the top rope. Like, no, it just. Well, it's I on slip. record now. That was not yeah, and I've I've said it in interviews before. Like, people, that was not done deliberately. There's no <laughs> way. Like, like as crazy as I was a performer, I'm not that stupid to do something like that right. to destroy yeah. my own ankle on it. Um, but that kind of kicked off that feud because we had split as a tag team. It was only going to be that match and maybe one more. Um, and we were able to keep that going. And Gabe, Gabe Sapolsky, to his credit, kept booking it throughout that year. Um, I ended up needing ankle surgery, I guess, August of that year, 2006, um, which I missed. I should have missed like 12 weeks. I was back in six. Imagine that. <laughs> Being right. submitted and wanting to get back. Um, so I didn't take my time on my rehab or anything like that. But uh, yeah, and we were able to get a whole year out of that. Um, and work back to that same building and do that cage match that had the weapons involved and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, that, I mean, the Jimmy Jacobs stuff, the CZW stuff, um, you know, uh, that's probably like my favorite stuff, but like to pinpoint like one favorite match, like in 2004, we're working for Ian Rotten. I got to do a 30 minute Ironman match with Jerry Lynn. Like, oh, wow. so I got to, yeah, in some little last town, Olytic, Indiana, which is like an hour north of Louisville. And some old like school building that the gym they still had the gym standing or whatever and um yeah some crazy stuff like that but yeah i couldn't pinpoint and then like to go i would have to go through my cage match history and say oh that was a really good one really like that one but yeah the, the jimmy jacobs stuff is probably what i'm most known for for sure at this point as far as my in-ring career goes 30 minute iron man with jerry lynch i'm sorry i just that's wild. Yeah, which is another guy I get to share, you know, the coach. Oh, yeah, you get with. to share, a, a, yeah, producer, whatever. You want. I don't know what you guys call it. Uh, to me, we're producers. Morning. I mean, we're coaches. I get, like, with AEW, they want to, like, don't, they don't want to use the WWE vernacular for our job. But what we do is produce matches. We also coach right. as well. So they just went with the coaches, like the title coach instead of producer to set us apart from WWE. Well. Well, SRS is calling y'all producers on Fightful Select, just saying. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, I call myself a producer when people ask what I do. I say, yeah, I'm a match producer for All Elite Wrestling. So, he, well, he, the reason that I, you know, kind of found out that you were doing all these women's matches was because of that. I, I subscribed to Fightful Select just because I like all the little, you know. I like the dirt sheet stuff that isn't uh, bull crap. You know, it's actually, okay. like, fun stuff to read you know just like mm -hmm. hey this person produced this match or you know it's not like trying to oust people's personal lives it's just about the show itself you know what i mean so gotcha gotcha um, no it's, it's fightful is that sean ross sap sean ross yes. sap yeah yeah um he's a so boy too. He is, yeah he's, yep. he's the lexington uh, guy right live, well yeah. he's he was in maysville he's living in lexington now okay um, but he uh started posting um i think it was uh, like beginning of November is when he started because he's always done it for Raw and SmackDown. Like you knew who produced the matches, whatever. And I guess he started getting that info. And um, like I remember he did like a big one on you producing uh Tony Storm versus Jamie Hader at uh Full Gear, and I was like, dude, that, that was that awesome. I'm really I'm really proud of that one. Um, you should be super proud of that one. Like <laughs> me and those girls put in so much time and effort into that. Like they were so freaking hungry to just kill it. Like 
they they had that look in their eye and i'm like i've had that look before i know what you guys want to do and um like the first women's match i guess and we're kind of skipping forward here a little bit the first women's match i did was a tag match with tony and sheeta against Britt and jamie in toronto of october of this past Mm -hmm. year and um that's where you can kind of see a shift because they would kind of like producers would kind of jump around with mm-hmm. people and no one had really found a footing yet with the women. And I kind of wanted to work with them and I had let people know like, Hey, if it comes up opportunity, I'd like to work with the girls. I think I can really help them and think I can get some really good stuff out of them. And right, I did yeah. that match and it, and like, I let them do a little more false finishes and a little, we went a little more false finish heavy than what right. some other people did. And they loved it. The girls did. So like, Oh, I think the next I love I love a good false finish match. So that was yeah. So, see, I, I that's the way I produced. Like I worked that Noah style, in which even mm-hmm. you know undercard stuff. There's kind of false finish heavy. I was a huge fan of like those like false finish heavy matches and stuff, especially if it's something a little later in the card. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's semi main or you know third from the top or whatever. Um, but yeah, we ended up having that ended up turning out really good and like. Tony was wrestling sheet in a singles the next week in Cincinnati. And right after we Tony come through that. The, yeah, yeah. And right after Tony come through the curtain, she's like, Hey, can I have you produce my match next week? Rashida? I was like, absolutely. I was like, absolutely. I was like, I'm yours till you tell me otherwise. I yeah. was like, that's awesome. You know, and even Jamie came to me and she's like, Hey, I want you doing all my stuff from now on. Like I want you on all my stuff. So I mean, yeah. And I'm just, and I clicked with those girls really well. Um, but yeah, the, the full gear match is like, I'm super proud of that one. Um, I've watched it back. I mean, I just watched it the other day. Like it's still like, I think, I think the way, and it was a collaborative effort between the three of us um, putting together those false finishes and stuff like that. And made Tony look like Superwoman coming out of it, you know, with Mm -hmm. all the, she didn't lose anything coming out of it. And, you know, Oh no. The natural ascension that Jamie's been on, God, oh. it's been so organic and so amazing to watch. And to have a little part of that now has been really, really cool. That's my favorite is just a straight up organic rise where the fans just, they love you. This you is know? our person. This is yes. who we want. We yes. are going with this person right here. And to watch that happen is amazing. It's really well, special and, and really cool. I feel like a lot of that's happened Uh especially in the women's division um, in AEW, at least for me. Cause like, like I said, I have a seven year old daughter who um, just started watching this with me. I would say maybe a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, and actually found out about it because um, I was watching uh, the Royal rumble late one night. And because like she had gone to bed and I was like, oh, I'll watch it later. <laughs> and she woke up and came out and the women's rumble was on. And she's like, oh, you know, what's this? And she's all these women out here. <laughs> yeah. Enthralled with yeah. it ever since. Um, and you know, like we've seen, uh, gone to a, a few warrior shows. She's met Thunder Rosa a couple times. That's her thunders her favorite, like loves okay. her to death. Okay. Um, like loyal to thunder to a fault. Like when, uh, Tony and, uh, Soraya were beating Brit up, uh, last week. I, I was like, Em, what, what are they doing? She was like, Oh, they're just being real nice to Brit. Like just you know, <laughs> seven year old kid too smart for her own good, but right, right. Just the, I can see the way that it just. She looks at these matches and she's just like, "This is so awesome." I mean, like the first AEW show we went to, 
the only match she stood up for was uh, when Ruby came out. And that was right after okay. Ruby had debuted it all out. Yep. But, um, you know, she, I'm pretty sure we listened to Ruby Soho by Rancid about 15 times on the way to the venue. You know, like, <laughs> so just I, I feel like the women's division, especially in AEW, it's always it seemed like the next champion has always been a real organic rise. Mm-hmm. Like that's how it was with Brit. Brit won. Yep. And then, you know, Thunder, those two just unreal together. Yeah. Um, and then unfortunately Thunder did get hurt, but even before she got hurt, you know, Tony came in and Tony was getting that backing, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's kind of been an, an organic progression ever since. And I just, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's really cool when the fans pick someone and it's like, that's our person. That's who we're going with. And it seems yeah. like you said, like you said, every women's champion that we've kind of had that's kind of happened i don't think it's happened to the level it's happening with jamie nothing against no, the rest no. of the women in that division um you know the, the the rise this rise in this like um organic like uh windfall of people come like coming up and put like wanting jamie to be in that spot is right. really special and it, that only happens here once every great once in a while so right. i mean the yeah. fans almost single-handedly you know made the acclaimed tag team champion so same thing with the acclaimed you know that 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 rap they started doing at first it wasn't that the people didn't really get with it and they're like oh man these guys are good this is catchy and then they you know and it was just and once the people got with it it was just like that's our team that's who we want well and i was we'll take it from here like yeah i was telling mike about that the other day the first cincy show we went to um you know, that was uh, the Rampage match was Brian Pillman Jr. versus Max Caster. But that was okay. when nobody gave two farts about the acclaimed. You know, Max was just a heel and he was there to take yep. the L for the hometown guy. And then yep. a year later, literally a year later after that match, these are yeah. the most popular tag team in wrestling. It's just, it's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, being in the building at All Out this past year, when they were working Swerve and when they had the match with Swerve and uh, Keith Lee. Right. And that crowd was at such a fever pitch wanting the acclaim to win that night. I mean, they went on ahead and I think they made the right call by having them win it in front of like 20,000 people. Right. And Arthur and Arthur Ashe at Grand Slam, because that's uh, Bowens, I think is from North Jersey and Caster's from Long Island. So that's kind of their home area. Um, But had they, like called an audible and switched those belts in Chicago, it would have blown oh. the roof off now. Center. Oh, absolutely. Like it would have blown the roof off that place because they were in such a fever pitch, just wanting those guys to win. And those guys uh, put those uh, false finish together um, masterfully beautiful. that night. Too. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Beautifully. Yeah. And trust me, we could, we were watching, I was, I was sitting right next to Mike watching it in his basement and we could feel it at home too. We were like, Holy <laughs> crap, this crowd is yeah. insane right now. Yeah. Like the organic, the oh, oh, scissors, like, <laughs> that was yeah. amazing. Yeah. It was like one person yeah. thought of it. And then all of a sudden it was just like a fever and it just, and it just and spread. It, it, throughout the entire yeah. it was yeah. amazing. I love wrestling. Yeah, so yeah. Let, let me ask you this while we're okay. talking about you producing and everything. So, you were talking about how you guys put that match together, like you, Tony, Jamie, like how much does it, is it kind of match to match? Like how much input is you? How much is them? Like, obviously Tony like gives you like the finish, I would assume. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, and then does and it just Tony's kind of and Tony Tony Khan because we Tony Khan. Yeah, TK. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, TK. TK gives you the finish, and then mm-hmm. is it just like a whoever comes up with the best thing, or what, how does that work? Um, I'm gonna pull the curtain back here a little bit. Like you said, TK will kind of give us the finish. We kind of knew going in what who was going over. Um, he had an idea for a finish wise. Um, I put the three of us collectively being Tony storm, Jamie hater, myself put a little twist on it to make it our own. Cause it was a previous mm-hmm. finish that it had been done before. So we kind of made that our own. Um, and as far as like the rest of the match, like the way I do it is I go like, to the talent that I'm working with and I'm like, tell me what you're thinking. Talk to me, talk to me here. Tell me what you're thinking tonight mm-hmm. and to get their brains working. Cause once their brains get working and start spitting out ideas, my brain starts to work. Okay. And I start to, um, cause I, I want the match to come out of their brains, not right. mine. Right. So that way they, they learn. Now, if I like, and a lot of times the way my mind works is I'm, I'll be listening to them, put stuff together. And if something, a transition doesn't sound right, I'll get hung up on it and they'll keep talking about, and then I'll be like, right. time out for a second. Let's Hold come up. back, come back, rewind for a second, come back here. And then I'll go over like with them and this is the coaching aspect, I guess, of what I do and the coaching aspect of my job. And I'll kind of um, say, well, dude, I'm getting hung up on this. This doesn't – I don't think this is as smooth as it could be. Um, let's look at it through this lens and see if, you know, something that I'll shoot out an example of a transition that might – that feels a little smoother and that flows a little better. And they'll be oh, I didn't even think of that. And then they'll either use it or they, they don't have to. Like, they don't have to use anything that I come up with it's their match i'm just trying to get the best match possible out of the talent right yeah. using 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 my experience and using the knowledge that i've you know gathered through being around people like harley race les thatcher dr tom pritchard um you know raven and there's a ton of people you know from my matches with like cm punk my matches with samoa joe all these people that i've been in a ring with and shared a ring with um because you learn a little something you learn something new every time you're in the ring or every time you're around someone new. And if you're not trying to do that, every time you're around someone that has more experience than you or is better than you, then what in the, are you doing in the business right. anyway? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I just try to uh, pass on what knowledge I have and I'll explain and break it down of why I think this would flow better and stuff like that. And if they, they want to use it, they can, if they don't have to, if they don't want to. Right. Sometimes it's that different perspective, you know, and you with yeah. the experience and that different perspective to get them to think differently. And then, you know, maybe next time they don't, you know, they automatically yeah. are thinking that way. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, I was working with some of the women. I was working with a few of them before I got the match with the Toronto tag match that I had mentioned earlier. I was working a lot with, uh, and all three of these girls got hurt within a couple months of each other. I was working oh. with, uh, you're going to know who I'm talking about here. I, I know exactly who you're talking about. I was working a lot with Chris Statlander, oh, like her, her Chris. whole, uh, her whole character transition and stuff. I was helping with her a lot with that. I was working a lot with red velvet and a lot with Layla Hirsch. Layla. Yep. Those were the three that I was kind of working with. And, um, if you go back and watch the pre-show match that stat, and Layla Hirsch had for Revolution of last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. And there was three women's matches that night. The one on the pre-show, there was Jade and Ty Conti, and I think Britt and Rosa, Rosa. on mm-hmm. that. 
And in my opinion, just my opinion, and it's not because I produced it. I thought Layla and Stat put on the best performance. You weren't you weren't night. the only one. We were, we hadn't started this podcast <laughs> by then, but I watched. Uh, I, I I pretty religiously watched a lot of the you know review shows, which mm-hmm. is essentially what we do now. Yeah. Um, and I remember watching the Revolution review. Uh, I think it was Fightfuls, and I remember I'm I'm pretty sure at least one of them on there was like the pre-show women's match was the best one. And I don't think it got out that I had produced that one, but I was working like heavily with stat and uh, Layla and uh, Layla Hirsch and red a lot. And they all end up getting hurt. Like Mm -hmm. Layla blew an ACL in a dark match or a a regular elevation match or something like that. And then velvet bust up her hip. And then stat blows her other ACL after only being back for a year and a half from the one ACL. Um, So, yeah. And, uh, like, you talk really about organic. Anxious. You talk about getting over organically. She was, she stat, was. Her hype was. All stat was on. She on was, uh, you know, for that. Stat injury. was on that, like that trajectory too. Like, and yeah. once she gets back, like I can't wait to get her in the mix. Like a dream match for me to produce is her and Jamie Hader. It oh just my is. God, like, yeah. <laughs> like, and I can't wait to like the build to that and stuff like that. But I mean. I'm having a blast working with all these ladies now. Like it's so much oh. fun. Um, and I can see like they've kind of got a chip on their shoulder and they got something to prove and mm-hmm. to have a little piece of helping them like prove themselves has been, that's been so satisfying for me as a producer is watching these ladies uh, just come into their own. And that's mm-hmm. the whole group. I mean, we've got a bunch of young, um, younger talent too. Um, you know, Ty Conti, uh, Anna Jay, um, that just don't have the experience yet. Mm-hmm. But these girls are going to be really freaking good once they get the experience under their belt. We got a lot of, and I'm leaving people out. So I, I got to ask Willow. Do you enjoy Willow? With Willow? Willow, I love working with Willow. I love yes. Willow Nightingale smile. so much. <laughs> she has so much personality. Um, yeah. And the first, like, I. Was she like before I left ROH? I think they were starting to utilize her just a little bit yeah. here and there, and she was still fairly new at the time. And I was like, "Man, there's something with this girl. Like, she just has this personality that people like are drawn so to." Magnetic. Mm-hmm. So and magnetic. I, and I was standing at the uh, actually, I want to say she were she wrestled Red on an elevation match somewhere mm-hmm. up around Boston or something like that, and. Um, I told Red before they went out, I told them both. I was like, hey, if they start cheering for her because this is up around the area where she does a lot of indies and they start booing you a little bit, Red, don't fight it. Just go on ahead and up the aggressiveness just a little bit and lean in. Don't don't try to fight upstream. And, Wasn't and that the I think, Owen Hart tournament? I, it might have been. I don't know. I think I, it was the Elevation match. Maybe it was I know, the Owen Hart one. I know that when they were in the Owen Hart tournament and Willow was getting all the cheers in that match and there were people that were like, she seriously didn't win. And I'm like, I mean, Red's going to win. Willow's not even signed yet. Like, come on. Yeah, I think but, it was uh, shortly after that is when Willow ooh. got signed. But, yeah, Willow's another one. I can't believe I forgot her. I love working with her. She's so much fun to work with because, like, she's so bubbly out there yeah. and has so much personality and so much charisma and she's athletic too. That's the thing. Right. She's super athletic as well. That so 
yes her pounds pops me every single time oh she just blasts those girls send them flying and i love it i pop for it oh especially when she's in the in in, like a match with a you know red velvet or something like you know smaller girl and she can just launch her across the ring it's it's great yeah that's another one that's like on that massive upward trajectory and the people are just getting behind her big time so yeah i can't believe almost forgot about her having her there but yeah willow is amazing so I guess that kind of leads me into this. Uh, do you, or just, I guess the, not just you, but like the women's division, like what, what goals outlook do you have? Like just for this year, um, like some things you want to see maybe, or just what your expectations are. Um, I mean, I, I want to see how this like outsiders versus homegrown stuff. Yeah, I do too. Starting. Yes. <laughs> uh, plays out yeah yeah the, i think a lot of people so are good. in that like like invasion like, angles always work like they always always work they'll, right? they'll get they'll get heat on some people for yeah. sure and they'll get some steam on a baby face or a group mm-hmm. of baby faces without a mm-hmm. doubt um so i'm, I'm kind of anxious to see how we this all plays out and what's in right. tk's mind for this and what i can like as a producer what i can do to kind of like help parlay tony's vision you know, and mm-hmm. help it come to life, which is like part of what I do too. And part of like right. the creative process that, yeah. um, that I like. Cause like when I go to Tony, I was like, tell me what you're seeing. Like, tell me what your vision is and I'll see, like, tell me what it is. And then I'll throw out ideas. If you don't like my ideas, fine. Right. But I don't do that for the whole show. I do that for the stuff that I'm producing that night. Cause mm-hmm. I want it to be, sure. I want my stuff to be top notch. I want it to be very well produced and stuff like that. So I'm, involved that way and you know so when i go to him so yeah i'm anxious to see where that plays out um i mean if we could get to it like a a women's blood and gut match i think would be really really cool (laughs) i think that would be like really 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 cool to let that's my prediction for revolution is uh blood and guts um, i've been saying it i said it's leading they're gonna have blood, women's blood and guts it's gonna be aw homegrowns versus wwe invaders at revolution yeah i don't know if, if that i might be, be wrong or but... if they would do that on like a special dynamite just to right. get more eyes on it. i don't yeah. know if they would try to pop a pay-per-view number a higher pay-per-view number with that match That's or if true. they want to they would want to try try to pop a higher rating and get more ad revenue that way so i don't know business wise ready for it yeah that's uh, you know and um you know i just want to like keep you know as far as this year just keep the women's division on this upward trajectory yeah you know like like i think you know i mean jade's coming into her own yeah you know big time um so it's not you know let's not forget about on that side of things because i've been working mostly with the women's world title Mm -hmm. um and billy gunn's been working mostly with jade and the okay. tbs title kind of thing um which billy's a good friend of mine um try to work out with him when we're on the road and stuff like that go to the gym with him and stuff he's become a really good friend of mine you know i pick oh, his worked, brain a lot too he works out right <laughs> 58 58 years old looks get out of town amazing you know makes like, the yeah, makes the rest of uh makes the rest of that crew that he was with look like a bunch of geriatrics <laughs> <laughs> and he uh like it, he's deceptively big because like oh, yeah yeah like you don't realize he's legit like six four six five 
guys. Like yeah. he's tall and about as wide as he is tall across the shoulders. You know, he's, yeah. he's just huge, huge. I bet he's 270 pounds at this point. Like he's, and, and not a fat, like a lean, like a yeah, tone, stacked 270. 270. Yeah. Yeah. And can still get out there and go for his age. Yeah. However old he is. I mean, he's in his fifties, his late fifties at this point, but you couldn't tell it by looking at him, but no. I mean, he still goes, he, he still goes hard in the boy, gym Christopher too. Daniels the other night still going. Yeah. Right. Like Chris is <laughs> over 50 at this point. He's got to be in his early fifties. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he's a guy that, you know, I met 20 years ago or something at this point. Um, yeah, CDs, amazing. Like how those guys can have been able to hold their bodies together for that long. My body broke down, but I was like, I was taking a lot of head drops and a lot of those all Japan style bumps way too often, not realizing that Masawa and Kawada and uh, Tawe and those guys and Akiyama and those guys are only doing that once, maybe twice a year. And here I am, you know, every weekend. Let's do it every other week. Yeah, half Nelson suplexes and. Dan Moss burning hammer right on the top of my head yeah. and stuff like that. You know, those guys were doing uh, that once, maybe twice a year. And here I am doing it two or three times a month, you know? So, so but yeah, like you, no one change anything. You referenced breaking your neck. So, I mean, do you know, like, have you gone back and like looked at it and like broke it down to like, was it a just bad positioning, uh, bad timing? Oh, the, the pile driver I took from Mike Bennett, we were in Toronto, um, on our ROH show. Um, I don't know exactly what happened. I haven't watched it back. I've seen like pictures of the move happening and my head had just popped out just an inch or two too much. And that's literally all it takes. Um, right. And you know, I was only, I took a few months off and then I didn't technically, I call it a broken neck because what happened was I blew out the disc between C6 and C7. And I bruised my okay. spinal cord is what okay. happened there. Um, and I kept working and kept working, um, until finally, like, and for those, like, I would have came back December of 13, that happened August 13, came back in December of 13. And I knew, um, coming back in December 13, that like, this was my last run, like however long it lasts, like I'll go until the wheels fall off until I have to have the surgery on my neck. Um, ended up blowing the ACL on my left leg. I guess in May of 2014, so five months later, worked for 14 months with no ACL, just put the Steve Austin brace on to lock that <laughs> knee into place. Yeah, yeah. Until I had the, the ACL surgery at 37. Um, and then I really knew, like, I'm on the last, like, there's fumes left in the tank at this point. Like, I'm going to have to start wrapping, either wrapping things up. And at the time, I had gone back to college. So I was in nursing school at okay. the time. So, um, and I'm still working ROH and as I come back in the beginning of 16, had a really cool match. I'm really proud of the Steve Carino feud that went on. I know a lot of the, um, internet fans and stuff say it went on way too long. Well, it went on way too long. Cause we, I got hurt. He got hurt. You know, he had to have his neck fused and stuff. And then I had the ACL surgery. So that match should happen way sooner than what it did, but because of injuries, it got drawn out a lot longer. Um, it was fun to stuff. go back and watch because, like, I literally just watched that and stuff. Like, total Brian Pillman move. <laughs> well, what the stuff me and uh, Steve were doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, we got to like work with one of our childhood heroes at the end of that with Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we wanted to bring him <laughs> in and kind of like 
and had we had it got to play out, had ROH booking let us play it out the way we, me and Steve wanted it to play out, we were going to start doing all these like subtle tributes, and it was going to be like an homage of like old angles to like our childhood heroes, like right. Terry Funk and stuff like that, and doing oh, all yeah. these like like doing these modern day versions of these angles that we saw as kids and watched on tapes and stuff yeah. like that. We didn't get a chance to do it, but that'll be a story for Steve's book, I guess, when he finally uh, writes one, if he does write one. But right. um, I knew then, like when I came back from the ACL surgery, like I've got a little bit of time left. Let's do some cool, fun stuff. Let's do this stuff with Kevin. Cause, and, you know, I got to be good. I got to be friends with Kevin Sullivan out of that, which, you know, is another mark out moment for me. Um, but then I kind of yeah. turned, they kind of started transitioning me into a backstage role at, ROH and I started uh I was on headset at the gorilla position as I kind of quit the in-ring thing and I did the stuff with Damian Priest with, with Punishment Martinez at the time Martinez, got, yeah 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 and got him ready for his singles run he turned on me in like Pittsburgh or whatever and I just kind of rode off into the sunset <laughs> and it started the backstage stuff and as 2017 is coming to a close, I'm getting ready to graduate nursing school. And I told the ROH office like, Hey, this is what I want to do. I want to be involved in wrestling, but if you can create an office position for me, I have no problem when I graduate moving to Baltimore, being in the office every day, you know, still doing what I do at the shows. But if you can create a position for me, I'll take it. Otherwise I'm going to have to go be a nurse. I was like, the only thing I ask is you pay me a tiny bit more, just a little bit more than what I'd make as a nurse. And they created a position and I moved to Baltimore and uh, was in the ROH office there for a year. Um, hmm. Is 2018 and the fall of 2018 all in happens. Um, I helped Matt, Nick Jackson, the young bucks and Cody and those guys kind of produce that. Um, oh, they helped awesome. them set up the travel and the hotel and stuff. There's a lot like behind the scenes I was helping with there. Wow. Um, turns out, they had the stuff with Tony Khan going, like starting to set that up shortly after that. Um, and they were like, hey, dude, this is kind of what we got going on. And I'm, I was kind of talking to Matt Bloom at WWE about possibly going there as a coach, mm-hmm. producer for NXT. Um, but Matt and Nick were them, Cody and them were like, hey, we would like to have, this is kind of what we got going on. We'd like to have you as part of the team. And I was like, no pun intended. I'm all in with you guys. Like, <laughs> no pun intended. Well, I'm in. I'm all. I think in you made the right guys. choice. I mean, yeah, yeah. So like, I was. Not, I'm not early... trying to be tribalistic or anything, but I, I think you got a really good thing going. So yeah, and then to be like a um, very early on, like day one guy there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's still several of us there that are like very early on, but you know, it's really cool to be on the ground floor and watch the growth and then like the explosion of the growth happen and stuff like that. It's been so awesome. So, so awesome. I, I got to ask like with you being, you know, pretty much the entire tenure of ROH, you were involved in some. Fashion, yeah, I did take right? three years, almost three years off from the wrestling business. Um, in 2008, I was banged up mentally and emotionally burned out. Um, I was also and through like there was throughout most of my career I would have like a, a weekly like a job during the week to help make ends mm-hmm. not only to help make ends meet but I would do like I worked at the local GNC there in Alexandria I know oh, Mike, really? I'm pretty sure Mike knows what I'm talking yeah. about yeah and uh, I did that from like 2001 to 2000 oh, the old fit works 
yeah, it was yeah, Village it Green. Was, Village Green. It was Village Green. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I was at. I did that from like 2000 or 2001 to like 05, and then all of 06 and most of 07, I just wrestled and then went mm-hmm. back to the GNC and was. So I was doing that as well. I was managing a GNC. I was burned out uh, mentally um, and emotionally with the business and stuff. And I did, I planned on taking, let's see, in March or April of 08. I guess it was March. I called Gabe. I said, hey, I need like six, eight months off. Um, just burned out. I'm beat up. Once some time off, recharge the batteries or whatever, which was the plan. Like two weeks after I put my notice in with Gabe to give me some time off, Pro Wrestling Noah calls me and was like, hey, we have like a three-week tour in June. Would you want to do it? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm getting to take six months off from wrestling. I can definitely <laughs> use this cash. And plus, it's another tour of Japan, another trip to Japan. Right, yeah, right. Get to work with like guys like Kenta and Marufuji and Kenny Maru and yeah, Akiyama awesome. and uh, those guys. So I did that. But like the third night in on the tour, I tore my wrist up on a frog splash, um, which they thought I broke my hand. I ended up working out the rest of the tour. I get back, they think I broke my hand, so they put me in a cast for like eight weeks. They take the cast off. I'm like, Doc, something's not right. This doesn't feel right. This is still way too painful. So they did an MRI, and I had torn two ligaments between like the small bones and the base of your hand there. So then they had to go in and repair those ligaments and put like three pins in my wrist there. So I was in a cast for another like 10 weeks (laughs) or something like that. Well, by that time, I ain't been to the gym in like four or five months, and I'm eating whatever I want. So I'd gotten way out of shape and it, it got to be one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll go back to the gym. I'll give start by getting back in shape Monday. And it was like, well, it's Tuesday. How about next Monday? Next Monday. And before I knew it, like two and a half years had gone by and I'm like, cause normally like my wrestling weight, I was anywhere from like 220 to like 230 ish or so. Mm-hmm. I'm like 260, 265, which is the biggest I've been. Oh yeah. My face looked like a basketball. It was yeah awful. so basically what i've been doing <laughs> since like 2009 uh, so we next got monday the, i'm telling you next monday yeah i'll go back to just finally got to a point where i was like you know what this was the beginning of like 2011 i was like i'm not happy with you know i don't want that to be a career for me like where i like kind of ended things there um and I was like, you know what? I got one more. I got another run, however long it lasts. If I make it back to ROH, which was my goal, be fantastic. It's what I want to do. I think I can get there. I'm pretty sure I can because I wasn't that old at the time. Um, right. So I, you know, literally went to the gym. I don't know if it was a Wednesday or whatever it was when I decided, but I was like, there's no more next Monday. It's today. Yeah. And I just went, um, cleaned up my diet starting that day. Um, and dropped, you know, I bet I dropped 20 pounds within the first couple of weeks just by cleaning up my diet and getting oh, back yeah. in the gym. You know, within three weeks, I think I was down 20 pounds. So I was in that 240 range then. And then it gradually came off. And I guess I started wrestling on local indies there for HWA, um, which wasn't owned by Les Thatcher at that time. In like March of 2011, something like that. And just and then as I like people saw that I was coming back, I started getting calls from like Ian Rotten and IWA Mid-South and AIW in Cleveland. And that kind of became one of my home promotions there too. From that mm-hmm. moment on in 2011 was this John Thorne and the, the late Chan, Chandler Biggins at AIW in Cleveland and stuff. And then um, started working like on those shows, on those indie shows, um, 
guys would book me against the current ROH guys like Michael Elgin, Davey Richards, guys that were, and they were going back to Cornette and Delirious and was like, hey, dude, BJ's on point. Like, let's get him back here. And they finally right. booked me um, their first Cincinnati show. And I guess it was February 2012. And they booked me in a, um, it's kind of like what AEW does now with the Eliminator matches. Um, okay. I was booked against Jay Lethal, who was the TV champ at the time. With yep. and I forget what they called the match, but if I went the 15 minutes with Jay or beating, then I would get a future TV title shot. Okay. Or whatever. Yeah, such an That's indie a, thing yeah. to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but I came in and uh, they wanted us <laughs> to go down to the wire on that. And I think me and Jay took it down to like 1455. Like it was right down to the end of it and uh cornet was like hey i don't have a spot when i got to the back cornet and delirious like look we don't have a full-time spot for you now but we'll book you on everything you can drive to until a spot does open up so i end up doing like they did a show in like charleston west virginia i would do the chicago shows um dayton there was a few others i did throughout 2012 until kenny king left to go to impact or tna at the time which opened up a spot for somebody to team with Rhett Titus. So they brought me in in September, 2012 okay. as Rhett's tag partner. And then I was on everything from there until I left to go to, until I went back behind the scenes in 2017 and then left in, into 2018 to go to AEW. Okay. And that was a, a proving ground match. Uh, That's what they called a proving that. ground. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I knew they had a, match. I knew, yeah, I knew they had a, a phrase or a name for that match. Right. And proving ground is Mr. what it was. Yeah. Knew it all. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask, because obviously, uh, you know, kind of 2014, 15, like wrestling tag matches against like War Machine. Like that's yeah. one of my favorites of all time. So like that, that had to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, with Hanson and. Uh, and Ray. And, yeah. and Ray. Yeah. And Ray, I think and I had done some stuff with him in Cleveland, maybe for AIW. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's on there. But I, I was definitely on some shows with him before he got his spot um, with ROH. And then when they put him and Hanson together, they just clicked as a team. Those guys got New Japan tours out of the deal. I think they were IWGP tag team champions and stuff yeah. like that. So once they put those guys together, those guys just formed an awesome team. And it was kind of off to the races. And it was only a matter of time, especially when I saw they got like IWGP tag straps. I was like, WWE's going to come calling for those guys because they're both big yeah. dudes. Mm-hmm. They both can move and they that can, both can go. go. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, it's not going to be much longer. And they're, on, they're probably on WWE's radar right now, like honestly. But it won't be long before that. I think they'll be heading there. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, Same- it sounds like uh going back you know for your second run i mean yeah you kind of faced a who's who in your first run but you also kind of faced a who's who of the like the next generation almost in your second adam cole kyle o'reilly uh trying to think you can probably if you named him i didn't start uh i mean you and you and roderick strong at a tag team Yeah. Yep, me and Roddy, me and Jimmy, uh, re- like reconnected with that. Me, Roddy, and Jimmy doing that decade gimmick where we were like, um, and that kind of like went in a direction that we didn't kind of anticipate because we were kind of like locker room bullies or whatever is what we were portrayed as, and that was the mm-hmm. whole time that Richie and was it Richie Incot what was his name Cognito or whatever from the yeah, Dolphins yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. got in oh, trouble yeah. for being a bully. All that stuff's hitting the press, so <laughs> they kind of like amplified like our bully tactics 
up and stuff like that, so, which I thought was kind of cool. I was like, okay, this is something that's going on in pop culture. Let's just attach it to pro wrestling. And we would do stuff on Turn shows. Turn it up to like, 11. Yeah, yeah, just dial it all the way up. Like, Because um, you always hear stories about a guy getting heat in the locker room and the boys tossing his bag out into the hallway and saying, you can't get dressed in here. So we would do stuff on the shows. Like, yeah, I think we were messing with Cedric Alexander at the time or whatever, maybe it was ACH. And uh, like we threw their bag through the curtain and come through bitching, you know, about them, you know, not being able to get dressed in the back or whatever, just some stuff like that, which, you know, like kind of like takes what people hear goes on behind the scenes and putting it out there for people. And like, we were like asshole bullies for the most part is kind of how that, that angle ended up transitioning when once the Richie, uh, what was his, what was his name? Is it Cognito? Richie Incognito. Richie Incognito. Yeah. 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 One of the most ironic last names of all time. Right. Definitely not Incognito. Not Incognito (laughs) at all. (laughs) He was very much in the limelight. Uh, Yes. For the wrong reasons. That made me laugh a little bit. I thought that like AEW, when I first started watching it, it reminded me of like, of the ring of honor that I, you know, that I had first experienced. Um, yeah. And I mean, does that, do you get the same feeling, you know, in AEW? Was that why it was easy to kind of like venture that road instead of, you know, up to uh, Connecticut? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, look at the guys that, you know, Tony, the talent that Tony grabbed a hold of to yeah. form this thing, the young bucks, Kenny Omega, they kind of took, like what guys like punk and cabana and hero and myself like that generation and they just dialed it up to 11 yeah you know um so they very much kind of like took what we were doing on the independent circuit and just dialed it up and then those guys also took what especially matt and nick took the self-marketing and stuff that cabana became a master at and dialed it up to 11. I mean, when those guys, when I talk about those guys, the young bucks, you're talking about two guys that were just doing indie shows and just doing new Japan were able to like self promote and market themselves and got their t-shirts in every hot topic. That's in every hot topic in America. Right. Think about that for a second. They got their t-shirts from just doing nothing, but, Indie shows. What is a glorified indie shows and what at the time was, I don't want to call it a glorified indie, but a step up from an indie with very like, because the TV that ROH had wasn't a uniform TV show where you can turn on your TV at eight o'clock every night on this channel. The way Sinclair utilized that TV is Sinclair upper management went to all the station managers and said, okay, you're going to air this ROH wrestling one hour, or actually they would air, they would double up. They would air the same show twice every week. You're going to air this show, this one hour show twice every week at whatever time you want, but you have (laughs) to air it and you have to air it. We don't care when you put it on. We don't care if it's four in the morning. We don't care if it's four in the afternoon. So the, like you had to seek out ROH TV, like in Cincinnati, it was on channel 64, Mm -hmm. which Sinclair owns at like, midnight on saturday and again at like 11 p.m on sunday now somewhere like tampa it might be on at two in the afternoon right on a saturday or a sunday or something like that so it wasn't like a national like tv i mean it was semi-national but it wasn't a uniform time or place to watch it 
So, you know, for Matt and Nick and those guys to be able to get their shirts in every hot topic in America says something to what they were doing. Right. You know, so, but yeah, as far as like, you know, and now that, you know, Tony Khan does own ROH, I think is a really cool thing because I mean, that's where the majority of, you know, my life's work in the wrestling business is. And for him that's to own it. I was just going to ask actually, how did you feel him, about that when he bought it? Uh, if it wasn't going to still be owned by Sinclair, I would definitely, and not having never worked for WWE, I'm happy that it's in Tony's hands. Right. Like, I think it, he'll do right by it. Um, I think he's already done right by it. Um, I know, I guess we're getting ready to start doing ROH TV tapings that are going to air on yep. Honor Club, which if anybody wants to watch, I think he's going to have all the old stuff on there. If it's not already on yes. there, he's going to get all the old ROH stuff on Honor Club. So if you're a fan of that crazy false finish indie sort of wrestling style, that blend of indie and of American indie wrestling and Japanese style, then, you know, a little plug there. I think it's worth the price. You know, well, I was actually, so I do subscribe to honor club and I was looking for the, uh, you and Dan Moff versus second city saints. And I can't find it on there. Okay. That would have been like death before dishonor of, 2004. 2004 yeah it's um, not, it's on, not there. on there yet okay so yeah that's where we did the chair put, right? put a bird in tk's ear <laughs> please put okay it on i know he's wanting to get all that old stuff up there right. i know um part of the problem i believe is there's a lot of copyrighted music i'm sure on there this is which is one thing Sinclair was having to go back and do is edit out all that copyrighted music because they mm-hmm. nobody wants to get sued <laughs> over that and that's a lot of money you know that you could lose if you do put that copyrighted music up and you right. haven't paid for the rights to that music so that might be because and I think anything that's not up there yet hasn't had that, <clears throat> hasn't had that copyrighted music edited out I'm fairly right. certain okay. of that yeah, I mean there's so. a lot of stuff on there though like like you could watch for months and months and months and not finish like there's all kinds of stuff on there so. yeah there's i don't even know how many thousands of hours of content is involved in the roh library at this point i mean sinclair owned them for 11 years previous to that what was it 2002 to 11 was nine years so there's nine years of when like rob feinstein or carrie silken owned it and then another 10 or something Right. 11 of St. Clair on it. Yeah. So, um, another thing, like you said, you know, kind of starting being with AW at the start, you know, with those guys, um, how cool is it now to like be in AW and then you got guys like, you know, Samoa Joe there who you used to wrestle with back when you got your start. Like, is that like kind of like a full circle moment? Like, man, like, this is where we're at now. Like, this is crazy. Type yeah. Thing. And, and having those guys come back, like, or not come back, but like circle back around and end up working with those guys again. Cause there was a bunch of years where, you know, I might see Joe like once or twice a year. Um, my best friend or one of my best friends is Josh Rafferty, who is Jake Hager's MMA coach. Okay. Josh is a Cincinnati guy. Grew up with Rich Franklin was on the first season of the ultimate fighter, met him mm-hmm. through the wrestling business. Josh become one of my best friends. Um, he lives in Tampa. So anytime I would be in Tampa to hang out with Josh, we try to hook up with, have lunch with Samoa Joe because okay. Josh, 
trained Samoa Joe some, like hitting mitts and stuff like that, and, and some groundwork, mm-hmm. some jujitsu and stuff like that, and even some weight training and stuff. He'll uh, he helps train Joe sometimes. So I would try to, you know, I would see Joe even though we were working in different companies or whatever, maybe once a year or so. I would end up running into Joe through Josh and stuff. But it's cool to now actually see Joe every week, you know, at right. work and stuff like that. And the fact that you know he's still going strong too is amazing because he had some crazy matches and he went really hard too you know for a lot of years not only his roh run but his impact run as well yeah and his wwe run you know the guy's been going hard for a long time i mean i remember better in 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 aew than he would in wwe it just fits his style there's just certain people it's like yeah, I don't know if I don't you know I don't know that they would be a fit in AEW or I don't know if they'd be a fit in WWE. Just it's uh, he made it work. He he made his style work at WWE. I mean, he had a heck of a run up there, and then I saw it like it would tune in every once in a while and see him doing commentary on Raw, and I was like, oh, that's perfect. You know, transition for Joe as he transitions. It. And I didn't know if he was planning on transitioning out of the ring then and going ahead and taking, you know, a a job as like a commentator or stuff. But it was a natural progression, I thought, from what I saw. He was a natural. He was good at it. He was natural at it. Yeah. Yeah. Great talker. And he was a natural at commentary for sure. Um, Yeah. I was just thinking about that. Like, you know, looking at all these old match, you know, say old matches, but like, you know, matches at the beginning of your career. And then now you're still with these guys, you know, however many years later and, you know, you both are where you are type thing. Uh, And I mean, like even when Punk came in, like that's a guy that, you know, you kind of started with and like seeing him Mm -hmm. again and, uh, you know, Colt Cabana and um, yeah. I don't know. I'm probably forgetting a bunch of people, but you know what I mean? Get over more. That first ROH show I went to, man, Colt Cabana was so over with that crowd. Yeah. He He might've got the biggest pop um, of the night. Yeah, he can get himself over with any crowd, it seems like. Um, I don't know what happened, like if they handcuffed him when he went to WWE or whatever for that brief run that he was there. But, I mean, Cabana's just a naturally charismatic guy, super charismatic, and can win over a room as a performer like that, dude. Like, and have Mm -hmm. him, like, eating out of the palm of his hand that fast. Like, (laughs) it's just a natural talent and ability that he's got, and he's always kind of had that. Yeah, that's just, I, I, I just yep. think that's got to be, you know, such a cool thing to be like, man, remember when we were doing this when we were 20 and, you know, now we're, now we're <laughs> right. here type thing. Yeah, because right. it's almost um, like the same group of guys, except now instead of doing it in fairgrounds and stuff, you guys are doing it on the national stage. And it's yeah in arenas in different cities yeah. every week. It's really cool. And, you know, just to think, um, and I thought I was thinking about this and talking to um, Jimmy Jacobs the other day about this. I ran him, <clears throat> ran into Jimmy at, uh, Jay Briscoe's service, um, mm-hmm. Jamin Pugh's funeral. And uh, we were just kind of talking, you know, catching up. And it was like, dude, isn't it kind of crazy? Like, you know, some of like our talent, like uh, the talent from our generation, not only are they still going and still top talent in the business, but some of us that are behind the scenes that are in influential positions behind the scenes now, it's kind of cool to think yeah. about. You know, you got That's Jimmy awesome. Jacobs is helping to write Impact. I'm a producer at AEW. You know, it's kind of cool, you know. Seeing you know that uh, Cabana you know is still performing and he's doing some producing at AEW too, so it's it's really cool that you know a lot of us you know are still very heavily involved. You know, Sanjay Dutt's another guy that was a great talent. Mm-hmm. And he went he did some early ROH, but then more went the route of Impact mm-hmm. and was there. You know, he's in an influ- influential position as a backstage um, 
producer of promos and uh, matches and stuff at AEW now too. So it's and he, it's even really cool. you know, like you said, like you got the behind the scenes guys, and then you got you know AJ Styles and Samoa Joe that are still winning championships and stuff. So you yes. know, and like um, Kevin Owens or Kevin Steen, yeah, Kevin and, Steen, yeah, and right. Sami Zayn, El Generico. Oh my I know god, him dude. As, like. That angle, the fact that you had a match with El Generico against I can't even remember who the other guy was, but I know Kevin Steen was on the other end. Like, it was probably me and Brent Albright because we were doing a team gimmick there before I left in like 07 08 at ROH. I think it was probably me and Brent Albright against Steen and Generico. (laughs) Yeah, oh my god, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, like as a fan, has his rise just not been one of the coolest things? I haven't called a lot of it. I watched the angle from Royal Rumble, though, where they had Steen handcuffed up and he stepped in front of him and Roman hands him the chair. He's like, hey, if I'm not, you're going to let me do it. You're going to do it kind of thing. Yep. And then he blasts Roman in the back and, like, dude, that place yeah, went nuts. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. The reaction was loud on TV. I couldn't even imagine what it would have been like to have been in that arena in san antonio to hear that pop live so we were knew it was coming <laughs> yeah well we were actually we were at uh sammy callahan's uh promotion last thursday wrestling revolver yeah and um actually got to watch the uh roh pure title be defended by wheeler yuda that was pretty awesome oh was he on that show I, well, yeah because yeah, it was right after rtv wasn't it right after you guys day. were in dayton yeah. yeah um but one of the uh, guys that works that promotion. Um, he's actually a wrestler in a local indie down here. Uh, FC or FGW. FGW. Yeah, okay. FGW. FGW. Yep. Um, okay. he was at the rumble. So we were talking to him. Okay. And, uh, we were like, dude, was that pop as loud as it was on TV? He was like, it was deafening. Deafening. <laughs> I bet. Like I bet. just p- that place exploded. Oh, I'm sure. Um, it's Cody uh, Hawk's place up there in Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Cody's a guy. Yep. He had been. He was at Les's, um, maybe a year, year and a half before I got there. So he was, you know, training every day that I was there. He's one of those guys that uh, I met my first day in at wrestling school. I mean, Nigel McGinnis is another guy that was literally I met right. my first day of wrestling school. Nigel had been there maybe six or eight months at that point. <sighs> first, like first day I walked in, yeah. Um, and then there was a few other guys. One of them. Uh, Rapid Delivery Rory Fox was profiled on MTV. Uh, True Life, I'm a Pro Wrestler. Oh, yeah, stuff. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was there, and then, like, Shark Boy was around a lot and stuff mm-hmm. like that, the Unibrow Match Striker. Uh, yeah, but Cody's still going, I, born, I him, guess. The Unibrow Match Striker. Yeah, we did, we called him that backstage. Like, you know, nobody ever called him that. I don't think – that wasn't a moniker or anything he used like that, but he was jacked. He was yoked about, you know, five nine, five ten, but always super jacked. And lean, um, and I had a really so good worker as well. I got Did you ever beat uh, the tar off of Jack Evans. What's that? Did you ever beat the tar off Jack Evans? It seemed like every show I went to, someone was beating that poor kid oh, to a yeah, pulp. uh, yeah. Jack was so, uh, and he was with us there at AEW there at the start, you know, and mm-hmm. early on. Um, I popped, yeah, Jack, 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 like, oh my god, Jack was also, oh yeah, he was so flexible and bendy, you could put him in a like a Boston crab and damn near get his. <laughs> get his feet to touch his head kind of craziness like that uh but yeah what a like great high flyer he was especially for that time god he could do some crazy stuff what like his his body control was that absolutely insane the way you know he could land those flips and still right like it was just crazy 
Um, okay, so I got one more for you here. I, I don't want okay. to be here all night. We, we really do appreciate you being here, though. Oh, no uh, problem, man. I can keep going so if you need me to. <laughs> with the, well, with, with the, um, you know, you said ROH is going to, you know, tapings here soon. Are you going to be helping with their women's division, or are they kind of giving uh, that to some other people, or how's that um, I don't know. I don't know. I think we'll kind of, like, um, I guess we'll really know, like, is because I guess we start those in, what, three weeks now or something like that? Yeah, I, don't, I just heard um, they're starting soon. I don't, yeah, I don't in a few weeks. Um, I'm sure I'll hear more um, okay. as we start. And I don't know who's going to – they're going to – like, how much crossover uh, talent is going to be there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to have a set of, like, specific ROH talent and then have a few AEW folks kind of bleed over um, right. to lean to – kind of lend some star power to ROH. Like, I don't know how any of that talent wise is going to work. Um, you know, I just, dude, I just love the wrestling business, love producing matches, whether it's the women women's matches, which I'm having, you know, a ton of fun, like with Jamie and Tony and Britt and all mm-hmm. the, and Soraya and all the girls that I'm working with now. But then, you know, I've gotten a chance to work with some, like there for a while, I was doing a lot of Orange Cassidy stuff. Um, okay. I love working with Orange. Um, <laughs> He's a I blast did, to watch. Yeah, he is like, and that character is so great. And uh, I mean, it's just uh, like, with, like, and then with him, like, I got is he uh, always guy, uh, not backstage. No, no, but once okay. he's once he walks through that curtain, dude, it's he's Orange Cassidy. Um, and with him, like, we'll be going over some stuff, and I'll and I'll just be like, dude, this is what Orange would do right here. And he was, he, he'll look over at me. He's like, dude, you're right. <laughs> he's like, that's exactly what I would do. Right I mean, here. he's basically so, Paul Rudd from wet hot American summer. Right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's just like, like, that's like, did you ever see that? It was, it was a few, maybe a few months ago, somebody had a sign during one of his matches and it just said wet hot American summer. And it had like a time and you went to it and it was Paul Rudd's character laying there and just saying, whatever. Whatever. It was, it was so perfect. I was like, yes, that's awesome. And with uh, like with him, like he can go, and it's like the whole character is like to draw the bait the guy in, and then boom, boom, and then he's off to the races, kind of thing. Like um, one of my favorite matches I've done with AEW was uh, him and Pocket Revolution 2020, right before the pandemic. Ooh, okay. Started our last uh, our last pay per view before the pandemic started. Um, I had that match that night, and that was you know a ton of fun because that was like orange is coming out party kind of thing where right. they showed that he could hang with guys like Pac, who Pac to me is one of the best in the world right now at what we do he is amazing and every match he has is on point um then i did a lot of um built like I, a I was, burrito yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah the, the, the v taper yeah Pac. just unbelievable Dude, insane yeah um let's see what who else uh i did a lot of darby's first tnt title run Okay. Up into the up into the loss with Miro. Um, Darby is one of those guys. Um, dude, Jack I thought Evans. I took. He said like a Jack Evans. Um, <laughs> I thought I took crazy bumps Ugh. and stuff throughout my career, and he's like I always took pride in being one of the guys to take one of the bigger bumps on the show. Kind of stupid, and <laughs> it cost my body a lot, but that, that's kind of what I took pride in, and he. Mm-hmm along that same line does that all the time um but you know, he's a lot smaller against jeff hardy onto the chairs oh uh oh yeah that, i produced that one did <laughs> you jeff, 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 jeff of course you did yeah. you sick, sick man. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, uh, with the finishes with them missing the coffin onto the apron and then Jeff missing the swanton onto the yeah. steps with the steps turned. Yeah, that was me. That was oh. me. <laughs> yeah. Which, and then go into the crucifix out of the uh, coffin drop yep. and finish and stuff. Oh. Yeah, that was, uh, which, which I, you know, those guys wanted to do that because it was like Darby's almost like a modern day Jeff. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's the yeah. the comparison you know, that a lot of people make for sure. You know, and uh, you know, so that was a really fun match to do. Um, trying to think, I, I work with Hangman a lot. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of uh, Adam stuff. Of course, we have the connection going back to the decade gimmick and him, you know, being a young boy and stuff like that, right. and doing you know that whole angle. Um, Dude, him and Mox, my my wife watched with me, and she's yeah. like. Are, are they really fighting? And I looked and I was like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't done I haven't done any of him and him and Mox together. I've done a few of Mox's matches. Um, I did the ladder match last year where um, Hangman came with his comeback match when he won the ladder thing in Philadelphia. Okay. He got the yeah, yeah. the chip or whatever for the, for the match. Um, I did Adam Cole. Adam Page from was that Revolution last Revolution. year? Yep. Yeah, I did that match. I did uh, Kenny Adam Page from Full Gear of 2021. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. So like, and a lot of people don't know this, and I don't like put it out there a lot. Um, some of the matches that I have produced and stuff like that. I don't I don't know how it got out that I was doing the women's stuff and the women's matches that I did. You should blame oh, Sean for that. Sean, Sean, that. I don't, I don't know where Sean got that. I know Sean, you know, and friends with him, but I didn't tell him any of that. So I don't know <laughs> how he got that, but I'm kind of glad he did, you know, because it's kind of cool to, you know, uh, dude. I'm telling you, there's a lot of, a lot of people that are just like, man, kudos, like for real, because that. Thank you. That you can see, not that women's matches were like bad before by any means, but you can tell. Just a, a difference in the in the like the tempo of it, you know. It's okay. just, there's okay. so much more like intensity in almost every match that is okay. on the card. Yeah, um, and it's and just it, the, the last it two I've done me. with Jamie, like Jamie and Sheeta from San Antonio oh, late last year. Yeah, that was yeah, that one was a lot of fun too. That one was a blast, and then um, being able to like help fucking help freaking Emmy Sakura show what she can do because she was you know right. she's been around a long time and has had really really good like epic matches like the one she had with jamie but she was kind of doing this comedy gimmick with AEW, you know the queen doing the tea party yep. and stuff like that and uh tk asked me he said and i'm you know like pulling the curtain back a little bit he's like cut back on her comedy a little bit tonight for me I said okay i was like well, i want to show you what like she can do I yeah. knew she could go, and I knew, and Jamie knew it too. Jamie had worked with her in Japan and stuff, and then they went out there and did what they did. That was hard hitting. They were chopped each other like that. Yeah, bloody, I went. I, I didn't. I didn't get to watch it that Friday, but I watched it the day after and was just like, "Oh my lord!" Like, because <laughs> yeah. I knew I had seen Emmy do, uh, which. Uh, also, that pops my daughter every time we like watch. If we ever do watch Darker Elevation, and she sees yeah. that, she's like, "Her name's Emmy too." Uh, she <laughs> okay. loves that. So, um, oh, sure. But like, I've seen her have matches. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure she even had one uh, when we the last Cincinnati show we were at. It yeah. was it was a she dark had the match. T- 
Yeah, the T, uh, the Queen and the T. Yeah, yeah it was a and, dark match though. But still, yeah. like you can tell that. I mean, some of the matches I've seen her have, it's almost like she's like waiting on the other person to catch up. Like she's, you know, almost ahead of that person. Like yeah. I know she can go. Yeah, um, Emmy, and same um, with like uh, like Diamante. Like, yep, she's D's, awesome, man. She's another good one. That's uh, that she's another lady that's really good. Uh, Kiara Hogan, ton of talent yeah. there. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we're loaded. Um, Allie Bunny, whatever you want Allie to call Bunny, her. Yeah, she's Ford. really good. Yeah, Penelope Ford. Like, we get to see that got, Wednesday. We we got we got a a <laughs> lot of women that can go, you know, and a yeah. lot of uh, a lot of talent, you know. So, I mean, I'm anxious I'm just, to see how this year plays out. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. Uh, I feel like the uh, the direction of the women's division is, like you said, definitely on an upward trajectory, um, and it's really cool that uh, you're a large part of that. Um, <laughs> but, I Thank you. I appreciate awesome. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm having, like I said, I'm having a blast. Um, creatively, it's so much fun. And, and and working with people that have that look in their eye where it's just like in that chip on their shoulder, you know, that's kind of the way I worked my entire career. You knew, yeah. You I, know what that feels like for sure. Yeah. Cause like I always, you know, felt like here I am in my mind, I'm some skinny kid from Cincinnati doing something nobody thought I could do. So I always had that chip on my shoulder throughout my entire mm-hmm. career. Like I'm getting ready to go out there and I'm going to show what I can do and show that I belong. And so I can kind of relate to, you know, where these women are coming from. Yeah. That's, you know, um, the AEW definitely anyway. seems to be, sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I've been yeah, asking it just a million has that questions. Feel of everybody right just still goes out there every night and is trying to like prove themselves. Like they're all yeah. building. Everybody is wanting to help build that brand. And it comes yes. across like that. It, uh, yeah, it really does. Uh, you know, more so everybody just like self-promoting. It feels like everybody wants, I mean, it, it's double, it serves a double purpose, but you know, yes. Feels like everybody loves. Not, not only are they there. trying to get themselves over, they're trying to get that brand over. Mm-hmm. The more mm-hmm. the more successful the brand is, the more money the brand, the more revenue they generate. Right. Yep. More money. Win-win. The more money individual. Right. Makes as well, you know, so it's a win-win. Yeah, that and especially uh, like not even just in the women's division, but like uh, just the utilization of younger talent and kind of there not being like forced down our throats but given enough of a push and then having a match that just yep that's it like wheeler uh daniel garcia you know uh is on his way i love that like they're not getting hot shotted or anything but they're given enough that you're like who's this guy and then (laughs) they have that match and you're just this note right here says AEW doing good job putting people over in losses. Yes. That, that's one thing that, that sep- I mean, it, it really does. And like Eric, add on to what Eric was saying is that, you know, you have young guys and you can put them in the ring with somebody, you know, who knows gonna, gonna win. Right. And they can still look good. Like, wow. You know, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it goes to that, uh, that uh, submission finish where they pass out. They don't give yes. up, but you know, they go so hard till they physically can't. Yeah, I mean, I think yep. that's a that's a great tactic to use. That's well used. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, and then when done right, like you can get over just as much from a loss as you could if you won the match, kind of thing. It's my feeling on mm-hmm. it. Like 
if done correctly, you can get the person that loses over just as much as you can get the person that won over for yeah, sure. For sure. Uh, well, you got anything else, Mike? Uh, I'm sure I'm going to have about a million questions once we end this, but you know, yeah, yeah. if you do, we can uh, do part two, man. Like I, part, I, hey, I'm, just... I'm, I am down for that. This has been an yeah, absolute yeah. blast. We really appreciate you coming. <laughs> yeah, on. yeah. You yeah, can do I'm a fantasy booking on. with us. Oh, we did, I, we did that, a fantasy man, booking. Time, man. We, we did, uh, you know, if you could take any wrestlers, you know, from either brand and then pin them up versus one against another, each we, other. Yeah. Okay. So like a okay. super duper forbidden door. <laughs> okay. Okay. What'd you guys come up with? You guys do one already? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah we oh, got yeah. it on our channel. Uh, we did it oh, with, um, uh, our, our buddy Dave, he, he runs the, uh, the pro wrestling podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Okay. Okay. Uh, he's the one that got CM Punk to comment duh on Dax's post or something like that. Uh, Oh, okay. Remember that? Yeah. That was him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, he okay. he actually drove down. He's from Chicago. He drove all the way down to the Revolver Show to go to the Revolver Show with us. So that was cool. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Just that uh, an example of how cool this community is. Um, oh, yeah. You know, there's some, you know, really out there personalities, but there's also some really, really awesome ones. So. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. You got it there, Mike? Uh, I have I have mine. Uh my first one was Jade Cargill versus Charlotte Flair. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my other women's match was Bianca Belair versus Jamie Hayter. Versus Jamie. Bianca's an athlete, boy. She yeah, is that's an athlete, I mean, dude. Yeah. Like, yes. yeah. 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 Her and Jamie would be like, to be able to produce that match would be awesome. <laughs> like, let, let me get my official library out here. Hold on. <laughs> um, that has my daughter's stamps all over it. Nice. Uh, so I did uh, uh, Thunder Rosa versus Becky Lynch. I think that would okay. That would smack. I think that'd yeah. be awesome. Um, so I actually did a uh, I I fantasy booked a, a war games match, but it's an intergender okay. war games match. Okay. And there's no story going into this. I just think it would be awesome. Okay. I did on WWE side. I did the New Day. So Biggie, okay. Kofi, Xavier, yep, with Rhea Ripley and Oscar. Okay, against the Elite. So Kenny and the Bucks. Yep, with Jamie and Stat. Oh wow, that would be yeah, awesome. Yeah, Debbie's gonna wipe the yeah. floor with them. Just saying. Yeah, uh, that would I think be that'd bad be amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, but I did. I did Charlotte Flair versus uh, Britt. I think that'd be pretty amazing. Yes, that would be really good too. And that, like you mentioned, the intergender there. Um, mm -hmm. That's one thing I had several, like towards the later part of my career, I had several intergender matches that I had a blast doing. I did one with Ruby Soho um, when she was Heidi Loveless at okay. AIW. That was really, really fun. Had a blast working with her. Um, I did, it was a, I think it was a mixed tag and roh at like a goofy like truth martini's house of hoopla show or something like that it was like a, <laughs> it was like a thursday evening show or yeah. something that at a at a um at a bar that aaw would run there in chicago and it was uh, i forget who the teams were but i want to say it was like i know i worked with athena Ooh. in that match yeah, um and then, i love her too she, yeah god she's awesome. yeah it's another one of the ladies i keep like 
that we forgot to mention there, who's part of that AEW women's roster, who's an insane athlete too. Well, that's kind of, I think that's kind of why I was asking if you were going to do the ROH stuff too. Cause in like, I didn't, I didn't mention her name, but in my head, I'm like, Oh, if he produced some Athena matches, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I haven't worked with her that much. Um, I think CD has been working with her some. Okay. So yeah. like, like talent and producers, like you find somebody you mesh with yeah, really sure. well and you yeah. and you work with them for a while and then you kind of move on and they'll be like, you know, that's the thing when you've got a coach's room or a producer's room, like we've got, and even though like, like with me, I didn't have like the big money run with like WWE, but I'm still pretty damn good at what I do. And I still right, think I yeah. can, you know, offer them something. Um, Cause I do have that, you know, Experience. modern day indie style and that japanese style that was blended that does get people over i mean it just does mm-hmm. you know um and then you've got like dean and jerry and jerry's another guy who was kind of like one of the first ones to like kind of set himself apart and we're going back into the like the late 80s early 90s with that high flying quote unquote indie style you know right. him and uh waltman sean waltman were having those matches in the early 90s that were like kind of groundbreaking at the time because sure. of the style and stuff that they were doing. And then you got like Dean Malenko and Billy Gunn and, you know, Dustin Rhodes and so many of us that have so many different like perspectives that you can add. The talent can kind of hop around to all the different coaches. CD is another one, Colt Cabana, you know, they can kind of hop around and, you know, pick up little bits and pieces here and there. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, when you kind of like, set in and, and find some chemistry with someone and kind of get on a run with them. Like I am like kind of with stat and Britt and Jamie and Tony and kind of like that. And like, I told him like, I'll work with you guys till you tell me otherwise, <laughs> like I'll be your guy until I'm here you for it. Man. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I'm having a blast. All right. So, well, can you tell, um, uh, I mean, you do me a favor. Can you tell yeah. Ian Riccoboni that Eric big rig Maffey is his number one fan? I can do that. I can text him right now if you want me to. I, I love. No, I. He loves Ian Riccoboni every I time. I think I will say this: Ian Riccoboni, that dude, especially. I can't remember if it was the first ROH under TK or the. Mm-hmm. It was what it was either. It was either Supercard of Honor, or was it Death we Before did the, Dishonor? It was one that of the was two. The summer one in Lowell, right? That was. FTR Briscoe's two out of two. three falls, right? That yes. was the second one. Yes. So that card, he is so good at making everything feel like it matters. Yes. Like everything that happens in a match, like down to the way people make their entrances, like just he blows my mind. I love him today. Him and Caprice Coleman together are money. And yeah. I just, I, I love yeah. him to death. He's awesome. Yeah, Ian, Ian's awesome. I, you know, was lucky enough, fortunate enough that they were letting me do um, some color mm-hmm. for a, a period of time there until they, you know, settled in. Like trying to find, once Kevin Kelly left and they slid Ian into that spot and then Steve was kind of doing color and Steve left. So they kind of had an opening there. So I slid into that spot for a little while. So I was lucky enough to call, you know, some mm-hmm. ROH TVs and pay-per-views and stuff with Ian. And you're right. Oh, he's awesome. awesome. He's amazing at what he does but uh, i just yeah yeah, and them just uh keeping you know i know he's not on aw tv every week but obviously like he is going to be the roh guy like any roh thing i mean like i know they flew him into lexington like that day when they knew that was gonna you know when when mark and and 
lethal was going to happen. Like, I just think that's awesome. Uh, And it, like you said, it makes you feel like TK is going to take care of ROH. And I love that. For sure. And then going back, uh, and I will throw this out as a self-promotion plug. I did all three of the Briscoe's FTR matches. I produced all three of the, yeah, (laughs) I I produced the, the three of those matches. Yeah. Wow. No, I didn't have to do a whole lot in those. I mean, yeah. the, the last one, <laughs> yeah. the last one, I was like very heavily involved die. with the director <laughs> on the on the camera shots because you've got essentially what's two singles matches kind of going on because you got the two guys chained to each other. So that's why I got with the producer and the director before. I was like, dude, we're going to have to split screen this sometimes. Just listen for me to call it and stuff like that. Or you guys can go on ahead and split it before I even right. see it kind of thing. But, um, yeah, Dax and Cash are amazing. Um, and, of course, Mark and Jay, I've known those guys since they were teenagers. Right, you yeah. Know? I mean, they um, were there at the beginning. Buzz with, heads yeah. and basketball yeah. shorts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. The basketball shorts. I don't even remember those guys. When I first Come started the there, they were, in, they were in the singlets. The yeah. The black singlets. Um, yep. So, like, and with that, it was just a lot of it. Those guys had an idea in their mind of what they wanted to do. I would add some transitions here and there for them and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, a lot of that was like me just making sure that the director had his cameras where they needed them right. and stuff like that. But yeah, so that's, that's kind of a feather in my cap. Being able to say, you know, I was able to do the three, those are, three, those are all three beautiful. Those are three of the greatest tag yeah. matches I've ever seen in my entire life. So yeah, that was tag team wrestling at its finest. And that's, it, it those, was. That's, that's, that's those guys, those four guys, that's their gift to pro wrestling. It, it really was, is. I mean, yeah. you want to, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to get into, you know, too much, but just what, uh, just trilogy, not just for like, Oh, you know, the, that year in pro wrestling, just of all time. Like that is a trilogy that is going to be talked about. And I know like Dax talks about it all the time, you know, leaving a legacy, leaving a legacy, all four of those guys that right there, you can hang your hat on that stuff. Yeah. And the Briscoes as a tag team have such a legacy. Right. Outside of that too. This just is like icing on the cake. Exactly. It's the freaking cherry on the icing on the cake. I mean, the career they've had, (laughs) Yeah, and then they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna top it off with this." You know, it's just that's that's awesome. Yeah. That is that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, so being able to you know work with Mark and Jay again like that was so cool because I've been you know, tight with those guys for so long. Uh, you know, hanging out with those guys even behind the scenes and stuff like that, doing international trips with those guys and stuff. Right. So that's something that I'll cherish for the rest oh, for of my sure. life. You know, especially with Jamin's passing and stuff like that, like. That's mm-hmm. something that I will definitely being able to, you know, be in the room with those guys and be out of the ring with those guys. You know, that's and helping those guys with those matches is something that I'll cherish till I take my last breath. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, that's and a- I'm, I can't even imagine the you know the relationship that you had, uh, obviously with both of them, but especially with 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 uh, Jay's passing. I mean, you were there with him from the beginning, and just. Yeah. Uh, I, I I can't imagine how how much like you said, Sherrod. I'm I'm stumbling over my words. I'm trying yeah, to think of yeah, the, the right thing yeah, to yeah. say. Just how to how much that you know. You're just like thank you know thank God I have that with yes. with them type thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and 
just have a little piece of those, you know, that trilogy with those guys, you know, and the fact that, you know, they wanted me, especially after the first one, like, yeah, dude, you're going to do the next one for us too. That, that was like, hell yeah. Like that's, I'll take, I'll take that compliment any day. You know, that's a compliment. I was saying, Hey, we want you. And then by the time it rolled around to that last one, it was like, yeah, you've had the first two. You're our guy at this point for this last one. Yeah. Compliment from those four like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, on that note, we are right around the two hour two mark hour, right now. Yeah. So you, you called okay. that PJ right at the beginning. You're like, oh, hours <laughs> yeah. dude, um, I, once I get talking, man, it's hard to shut me up. I'm, I'm the same way. We, but we all, all me and Mike both are. So, and um, honestly, anytime you guys want to shoot the shit like this, dude, if you guys want to do like a, um, like a post show, like a week after a pay-per-view or something like that, touch base. Like I'm willing to come on anytime, especially, you know, me and Mike going back, you know, high school together. I used to run around with his cousin, Matt, all the time. I was thinking Steve's and his cousin, Matt. I mean, I haven't seen him probably since like shortly after high school at this point. But, still lives in the you know, same so, house. Yeah, still, <laughs> that's what you were saying. Yeah, yeah still. And looks about the same. Yeah, he's looks still, about the yeah. same. You, know, you yeah, have to tell him I said him. hello. You have to tell him I said Definitely hello. But yeah, will. anytime. Uh, I'll be tickled by you that. Guys, just uh, reach out. Like I said, I just want to do like a post pay-per-view show or anything like that. I'm willing to help out and lend whatever, you know, might increase your following at all, whatever I'm willing to, you know, dude, honestly, just more. having you on here to talk. I, <laughs> I, I could care less if two people watch this. I, as a, as a fan of pro wrestling, just love learning about this stuff. I think it's so awesome. And not yeah. to peel the curtain back too much, but just knowing Man, that's what went into that. That's yeah. you know. That, I just think that just so makes you cool. appreciate it even more. I, I to, to me, it's like knowing, like, yeah, mm-hmm. knowing what else, what other work is you know put into mm-hmm. to all that, and it's you right. know having and the like, guys backstage that with all that experience. I mean, I told you earlier, it was like you've been, you've rubbed shoulders with who's who of you know who's been in wrestling and who's in wrestling now. Man, that's mm-hmm. it's incredible. Yeah, yeah like and. Like I said, even just a skinny kid from Alexandria, Kentucky, man, Tampa County High School grad, you know, that uh, chased him, that was, you know, either too stupid or too crazy to not chase a childhood dream, you know, and I went after it, you know, and I was just lucky enough that um, I had a talent and act for it, and I stuck with it long enough. Um, There's a lot of times, like, ROH, I wasn't making a whole lot of money. I was making ends meet, um, living hand to mouth a lot and stuff like that. I ended up getting my payoff and, you know, stuff like that afterwards. And I'm getting that now. Um, my payoff came, you know, post in-ring career for me. Which, well you know, I'm thankful. For sure. You know, thank you. Thank you. You know, and I was just, you know, I tried to, especially when I knew, like I said, like the neck injury, the ACL injury, and I knew the, mm-hmm. the sand and hourglass is running through like a freaking <laughs> sieve at this point. And I know my days are numbered. So, and I had started when I started back with ROH, started kind of trying to learn the intricacies of TV wrestling at that point. Once this, mm-hmm. those two injuries happened, I and I'm going to nursing school at the same time, but I'm fully immersed at this point in trying to learn everything I can about wrestling because I know I've got the nursing degree to fall back on. But, dude, the Sorry, worst day – oh, oh, good. The worst day of this pro wrestling job – is better than the best day of being a nurse and a, a nurse is yeah. being a nurse is a good career, but this is like 
my childhood dream. You know, this is what I so dreamed about. Is it about even like work, really? You're, I mean, you're, as much fun as it sounds like you're having, does it even work? <laughs> it's not. It's really not. Like, it is work, but it like, doesn't feel like work. <laughs> right? It's, it's amazing, dude. This is amazing, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I get to get on an airplane every week, you know, like kind of thing. But, I mean, the travel can wear on you. For me, yeah, I love the travel. Like, I don't mind, you know, living out of a suitcase a couple times a week. Um, like I was telling somebody, cause they just announced we're going to start doing live events. Right. And I was yeah. telling them like, I don't mind being on the road as like a road agent or whatever to help like set up the cards or whatever needs to be done for these shows and stuff like that. I was like, dude, I'm home three days in my apartment and I'm like staring at the walls. Like, can I get out of here? Like, right. Like, two, can I go two, do something? Two, two, two days. I'm like, can I pack my suitcase and go to the airport? Like, right. this is what I, you know, like I get stir crazy when I went home. So I don't mind living out of hotels, you know, a few days a week, you know, several days a week at that, you know, so the travel, I don't mind at all. I love it. You know, I love being able to go, you know, all these different States, being in a different city every week, you know, right. it's really cool. And I say, if you can fill a house for a house show, then by all means, you should be doing it because mm -hmm. like you said, the more successful you become, the more people get paid and, you know. Yeah, the more money gets generated by the company, the more money the, the you know the employees and the talent make. You know, so so I'm anxious to see how these um these house shows. I know we're doing our first one just north of Dayton and a little Troy, town called Troy, Ohio, which is like yeah. 20 miles north of Dayton. Um, which that arena is not a really big arena. I think it's like 3,500, maybe 4,500 people. It's not right. a really big arena. So I'm anxious to see how that goes and see how often we're going to do these. I don't think it was, I think that was the only one announced in the press release because mm -hmm. I got the, sent the press release to my work email and I read through it, but I didn't, haven't seen, um, I didn't see any others listed yet. So it's going to be cool to see how that plays out though. Cause I know yeah. I, I was interested to see if there's a, it's going to be interesting to see if there's a market for live events, non-televised live events. Cause yeah. It's not like going to the TV show where you got the big screens and the mm -hmm. fireworks and the, you know, the, the flames and stuff like that. It is a different well, experience for sure. I mean, I'll you say at least this. Try. You got to at least try. Yeah, right. I've been, I've been to four AEW live shows. I went to the first Cincinnati show. Mm -hmm. I went to Beach Break in Cleveland. I went okay. to Columbus, uh, which was like two weeks before All Out. Yep. And then the second Cincinnati show. So I've been to four. The, the one at the, the big arena at the Heritage Bank. The one at Heritage first, Bank, yes. Because the first one we did and was up at UC. At UC. Yep. And, dude, every one I've been to, it feels like – it doesn't even feel like it's a TV tape. Like, it feels like a party to me. Really? Like it okay. Just, it, That's The cool. energy and everything. Like, you just feel like, man, this is – it's like an indie it's like an indie crowd because you know like when you go to an indie wrestling show mm -hmm. all those people are there are legit wrestling fans you know what i mean yes and you know the difference in crowds between wwe show and the aw show it's it is a lot more of that crowd you know there mm -hmm. are some more casual fans but you know AEW feels like it's a wrestling show for wrestling fans oh yeah you okay. see guys so walking cool in with you know, faded bullet club young buck shirts that they've had since, you know, 2014 or whatever. Like that crowd, that is, that is the crowd right there. 
Right. Well, that's cool to know because I don't get to experience it from that end. Like sometimes yeah. if I know something cool is going to happen, I'll like kind of come out through the curtain, like where the curtain, like where the stage is by the side of the stage and kind of come out a few steps towards the crowd to hear the energy and the reaction of something right. cool that's going to happen. But I don't get to actually set up in the stands to be fully immersed in it like that and to actually sit there for the whole show and see what the crowd is like and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to know that it almost has that like indie vibe to it where these people it are does. here because they love wrestling. Yes. That is you exactly know, that, what it feels like. Um, that's awesome. Like I remember being in Cleveland and uh, yeah, it was when Danhausen debuted during OC versus Adam Cole. <laughs> he pulled him out from under the ring. He pulled him out from under the ring and the place goes nuts. And I'm like, Everybody here, like at least 90% of the people here know who he is, you know, like I was going right. nuts. The guy I was there with was like, who the hell is this? Like, what is going yeah. on? And I was like, we got a four hour drive back to Northern Kentucky. We'll watch some Dan Housen videos, you know, um, right. full disclosure. He fell asleep about a half hour outside of Cleveland, but you know, um, I let you slept on the drive home. I'll let you yeah, drive it. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a night owl anyway, so I didn't mind. Okay. Um, but it, it definitely, I think that those live shows, because you're not really going to need to you know oh i gotta hit my mark for tv man you can make those so much fun for those crowds yeah. that i think yeah. they're gonna be awesome yeah i think so too I'm, I'm i'm hoping that like uh the following is there and enough people buy tickets that it makes it worth their while to do them for sure yeah, yeah I, I i'm gonna say that's that's a and doing it in troy too close to close to mox that's that's a good call yeah you know, somewhere where like local Cincy people can get up there. It's not going to be a super far drive, maybe an hour right. for them for the Cincy crowd, maybe a little less. So um, that does remind me though. Did you? Uh, so I went to the Columbus show, and that was the tag with Tony and Thunder versus Jamie and Britt. Did you produce that? No, that was before I started working with okay. Jamie right. and Tony. Britt that and match was that. awesome yeah. too. That's why I was yeah. wondering. Um, which yeah, also I, I love when they don't and i'm not going to get into this too much but just like maybe they are the second or third match on the show you know i i, I like yeah. i like when they mix it up it 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 especially because it seems like when they do put them on earlier like you said they have the chip on their shoulder and it's like let's go yeah. extra hard right here yeah let's really tear it down so yeah um the san antonio when the jamie sheeta match being the main event that right. was yes that was like and i had pulled the curtain back a little bit. I went and asked the week before, like, Hey, if, is it possible to have the main event for that, you know, for Jamie Sheeta? And, uh, I was told possibly maybe make it happen. And I got there that day and they're like, yeah, it's happening. And I'm like, hell yeah. Good call. Yes. yes well yeah. deserved too. They yeah. showed out. Yeah. And then that's um, like, which she, I mean, she does another one. Gee, Manatly, man. She is, she is so awesome. good. Yes. Yeah. So good. So good. And, uh, yeah, she's really fun to work with. I'm going to say this for Mike. I don't, I don't, I'm, this is more like jokingly than anything, but, uh, can we have some more Serena Deeb on our television? I know Mike's a big, yes, uh, Deeb Mark. Where the hell has the professor been? I don't know if she's injured right now. I was like, yeah, I, 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 just... I don't want to get into anybody's personal thing. I'm just doing that for Mike. Cause I know he loves Serena. Yeah. Yeah. Serena's awesome too. And I like, 
she must be injured or something because I, I haven't yeah. seen her work for a while. So, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, she'll be back soon enough, I'm sure. But yeah, she's another one that just adds to that women's division as well. Like, just, yeah. and I know I've probably forgotten a few names, but yeah, all those all those ladies have something to prove. They got a chip on their shoulder, and it's going to be uh, fun to continue to work with them throughout this next year. Expect big things. Yeah, she she was at the Cincinnati <laughs> show, wasn't she? She had a yeah, a dark match. Remember, I right? made it because they caught me on camera dancing to her music. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you were going. You were, uh, he was going nuts yeah, for that. Yeah. I was going nuts when Eddie Kingston came out. You know, we all got oh, our God. favorites. Yeah, uh, yeah Eddie's awesome. Eddie I, is awesome. That's my guy, man. Like, if I had to pick one, Eddie's my dude. I love yeah, Eddie so much. Like, so much like heart and passion when that guy talks and when he works. Like, it's I uh, love the realism. It's amazing. Just the, yes, yeah, total authenticity, man. Because he, Eddie. that's that's Eddie. That's yeah, Eddie. That's real. That's Eddie. You know, and uh, yeah, he's awesome. And he like for his uh where, where was that was full gear wasn't it the uh was it the pre-show match him and uh, akiyama oh yeah 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 he he asked me to produce that because like i you like, produced that too that day yeah oh my god <laughs> come on man a dream match for him for eddie he was yeah that's where he like was. took the and mic like, and like told the crowd i don't give a shit i'm yeah <laughs> yeah i got yeah, five yeah. minutes buy the pay-per-view <laughs> yeah <just> <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah, he can't pick me for that because he knew like how much like Akiyama meant to me as a performer. Like I stole a ton of his offense, you know, for my offense when I mm-hmm. had those first two tours, exploders, the wrist clutch exploder, the running knee, like a bunch of stuff, you know, I took from Akiyama. So he knew how much Akiyama meant to me as a performer. So he's like, dude, you're the only guy I'm gonna have produce this. Oh, wow. Today. I'm not yeah. kidding when I say I watched that match three times in a matter of two days. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I watched it twice in one day. Yeah, Akiyama's all time great. Was great, so man. good. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're now my favorite producer. Ever, so. <laughs> I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I'm so jealous. Yeah. That's so that's so incredible. That's like, yeah. Got that Midas yeah, just, touch right now, my friend. <laughs> well, thank you, man. You know, I just you yeah. know, I like I I have so much passion for this you know it's my life's work it honestly mm-hmm. is you know um and you know like i said i just knew i wanted to be around wrestling especially like you know as a kid you know it was, it, oh, this would be so much fun to be and then you get to be an adult like i said i got away from wrestling for a while because it got silly but then it got cool again and it was like you know i want to try this and once I got a taste of it it's almost like an addiction like i didn't want to do anything else and i, I had mm-hmm. like like i said part-time jobs to help support my wrestling habit for a while until I got the <laughs> where I could, could make That's enough money to make ends meet, you know, kind of thing. So, uh, but yeah, just, you know, and I want to, you know, and this may sound silly, but leave the business in a better place, you know, and Absolutely. stuff like that. And then make my mark, you know, now behind the scenes and do everything I can to help, you know, and that be my legacy is, the people whose career I'm impacting right now. And if they can go on to be like producers and stuff like that, that will be the mark that I've left is kind of the way I, you know, and that, that could be something down the line that, you know, I don't know. Tony storms producing women's matches when she's 16 years old. She's like, Hey, you know, who helped me BJ Whitmer, you know, when some, 
when my daughter's got a podcast or something, who knows, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. This is my, right. This is my like... fantasy booking mind going wild. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and it's funny you say that because uh, the other week at uh, not this past dark taping, but the dark taping before that, Tony um, lives there in Orlando and she came over. This was, she was still uncleared from the orbital fracture. Okay. Um, oh, from the match with Jamie, and she shouted me to like learn the producing job and stuff like that. That's so cool. That day, yeah. So like, you know, if I can, you know, if you know they want like, because I know with me, I didn't want to do anything but do something in the wrestling business. After I was a performer, I wanted to stay involved and uh, right. If I can kind of pass down that to anybody that wants it, right? You know, then that'll be like the legacy that I leave. Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of show them that you don't necessarily need to, you know, all right, I guess I'll just go do signings at conventions and stuff. Like, you can do stuff after you've done wrestling. And yes. like you said, Give contribute. Back. You know, maybe you're maybe not in the limelight, but being a part of some of these matches, man, that's, that's yeah, something then, you like, get to take with you. And Yeah, and awesome. then, like, and a lot of times, like, it doesn't get out what matches I produced, but I didn't know yeah. half of them. <laughs> right. Right. You know, you know, cause I, I don't go out online and say, Hey, I produced this. I produced that. And that's but the fact that the guys or the women in that moment know that I had a little piece of that and that I had a little piece of that. That's good enough for me. You that's, know, that's all that matters it's, for it's sure. Good enough for me, you know? And, and it, I mean, it almost, it would, I, I I know me personally, that wouldn't be the way I would go about it. I mean, I've never been a, I need everybody to know exactly what I'm doing all the time. Like I'm good at, I know, you know, if if I know that I did good on something, that's all I need. Yeah. I don't need everybody else to know. Don't care. Yeah. I I know. um, Giving back to the business since your second run, you said you came back, you know, and you kind of, you know, came back and helped put over a lot of the, the next generation of guys. Yeah, for ROH, like they yeah, yeah, back yeah. for a while. Yeah, for sure. They're like, um, you know, helping like guys like you know Cedric um, Alexander, you know, with that run because he was like at the, he was the uh, protagonist to the, uh, one of the protagonists to the a decade being the antagonist kind of right. thing. ACH and uh, you know Adam Page and some of those guys and stuff like that. So yeah, it's been the like. Like you said, just trying to get, give back because I know that people that pass knowledge down to me, they didn't have to do that, mm-hmm. you know. And then I always go back. Here's another quick thing before we wrap up here. Um, my first couple of tours of uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, I was on with Two Cold Scorpio, which is a guy that I had watched on TV and stuff like that. And he was like so cool and so giving with the knowledge that he had and stuff like that. And not just that, but you know, here I am like a 23 year old kid in another country and he's, you know, had done tours off and on for years at this point. So he would, you know, make sure we knew where the restaurants were by the hotels and stuff like that would take us, you know, to go eat and stuff like that. And, you know, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. He could have went and done his own thing, you know, and, but he looked out for us and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, this guy, this is so cool with him. And I always remember that. I never forgot that. And if I got into a spot where I could help out, someone that was coming into the business and just pass along any little thing 
or help them out in any way, I always tried to do that. And even like to this day, if I was to like, like even like years later, I'd run into Scorpio on like an indie show. And if we went out to eat afterwards, I'd buy his meal just right. for the simple fact of what he did for me when I was this 22, 23 year old kid, you know, just that's try to awesome. get back like yeah, that. that so. just, and that's, what's important. And I, I think, like you said, you just want to leave wrestling better than you found it. And it, yeah. Today's product is any representation of that. You, you're doing all right, and uh, thank you, buddy. So, are, so are a lot of others, I think, yes. uh, as well. Um, it you. seems like it's heading in the right direction. I think so. so but yeah, anytime Absolutely. you guys want to shoot the shit and chat on your podcast, I, mean, whatever, I ain't gonna man, say no uh... to you coming on after <laughs> yeah. Revolution. You have to be like Mike, please. Especially stop if my if my booking comes through. <laughs> If, if so, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they'll do it that quick because we're only what four weeks out from no, I know revelation it's at this point. Wishful so. thinking, yeah, yeah. But, but if if it does happen, and you want to come on after it happens, <laughs> yeah, by all means, absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah, if you guys want to do like I said, post show for revolution, whatever. If there's a something cool you see on dynamite want to chat about it man i got no problem coming in yeah and, and, just and sitting we, there it, it, it cost me nothing to sit here and shoot the shit about wrestling which i love to do i can talk wrestling all day long awesome like, us too you know and, so, you, and yeah. you know obviously you provide such a unique perspective so you get yeah. to kind of answer some of the lingering questions for stuff that you know nobody else can answer for us so yeah absolutely i got no problem yeah. doing that man hey have you ever met anybody from like that you're like you were a fan of as a child, you know, for wrestling. You ever met anybody that just ruined it for you? They say like never meet your heroes. And I can't say that I've any uh, met anybody like famous yet that is that's like done that for me. But have you met anybody in in the business that's No, not really. Um No, not like most everybody like I've met, especially um having like a working relationship with, and I, I would never like go do like, even when I was a fan, I never would go like to like signings and stuff like that. I never did um, go to anything like that. Um, but most of the, most, most of the people I've met has been as coworkers. So it's kind of like right. a little bit different right? than, than meeting, you know, as, as a fan. And I know that some people I've heard, you know, stories of people being like next to fans or whatever, being like, Oh, here's your autograph. Go on, move out of line. Next person. Right sign yeah but so some of the fans probably prompt that though (laughs) i'm sure they do i'm (laughs) sure they do i'm sure they're not innocent and that um, makes it hard to be a fan because you know you you don't want to you don't want to be that person that guy (laughs) yeah yeah so so no i've really met anyone that's like ruined well you know i mean you get to work with sting that that was your that was (laughs) your guy you're good to go yeah Um, yeah for sure well, what do, you, uh, what do you think, DJ? I don't, gee, I don't know Sting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about this spot? Talking to me, like talking to me, oh, like what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, this uh, BJ Whitmer has been fantastic, um, and yes. you are welcome back on absolutely anytime. Um, okay. We would love to have yeah, we'll, you. We'll keep Thank in touch, Mike. This. And... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wonderful insight. Yeah. Um, Thank you for having wanna... me, man. Um, give any shout outs or anything you're more than welcome to if not um, I can't really think of anything else Mike, yeah I'm anything? not really on social media or anything like that so uh, yeah I got nothing to really just watch Dynamite Wednesday yeah, nights we, TBS 8pm watch Rampage pop, 
TNT, 10 p.m. Like, watch watch the product. You know, watch all wrestling. Watch grab Honor Club if you're an ROH fan. Right. Sign up for Honor Club. The TV weekly TVs will be on there. I'm sure the pay per views will also be on Honor Club. I can't say that for sure. Uh, the the most recent ones are. I can confirm that. Okay, and I don't know if yeah. the future ones are going to be on the Honor Club Live, or if you've got to get them through like your cable or satellite provider, or if it's Bleacher Report or what it is. You have to I, get I don't know. They're changing a lot of stuff because I used to get them on uh, on Fight, um, but they changed it because I guess they're doing something with like DAZN now or something. Okay. Like okay. I, I don't know, and that, I think that's more with AEW programming rather than. Yeah, it's something international. Sure. International, they're doing something with them. I just ousted sure. myself. Never mind. <laughs> I don't use a VPN. Um, <laughs> I don't live in oh, Lithuania. Oh <laughs> good. <laughs> so anyway, um, we have been the Dad World Order podcast. This has been BJ Whitmer. BJ has been absolutely fantastic to have you on here. Um, we really Thanks appreciate it. Yes, and, thank you so uh, much, man. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Sounds um, like a plan. I would say probably after Revolution at the earliest, um, unless something really awesome happens on Dynamite, then we'll have you on even sooner. So. Cool. Sounds like a plan, right. fellas. Appreciate you. Uh, guys, if you like this video, please give us a like, subscribe. Um, this man is an absolute wealth of knowledge, and I had an absolute blast here. So um, please, if you liked it, just give us a like, comment, whatever. Uh, we appreciate you. Top Dads, out. Dad, dad, dad,